Hello, hello everybody and welcome to the OGR Officially Unofficial Podcast episode 22. We double checked that one because we're that sure of it. I am one of your hosts, Alex Otherwise known as Sexy by Master One on the Air, and of course, I am joined by the Gallicant. Samuel, otherwise known as Initialize Hapgood, and the Sensational Alex, otherwise known as Nymera Hapgood. The Hapgood Brother duo that are my duo colleagues in our little endeavour of all of this LJL action. Gentlemen, as I say always, introduce yourselves. I'll take being gallant. That sounds like a nice adjective. You got to pick some good ones this time, Lexi. Uh, I try, nice. I try. I know. Yeah. I, I try sometimes, you know. Sort of like, I'm there it's, it's like a little roulette. I'm just there, I'm like, could be anything. He's pressed, be. pressed a randomizer on an encyclopedia website somewhere. <laughs> that's what I'm going by now. And I'm like, it could it's be like anything. When, gets, when we get mediocre, that's when we know we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sam, oh. Sam, I get that from Twitch chat. <laughs> oh. You get that from me, buddy. Yeah. I mean, it's going to depend on your cosplays on episode 100. That's, uh, that's, that's, True. that's, that's uh, going to be a real... Mediocre will be the word. Let's be real. I need to learn how to... I need to learn how to... I need to learn how to use makeup to boob contour. I mean, we might, that's, that's we how might you get be them. doing it in person, <laughs> so who knows? Ari cosplay <laughs> when from Nightmare? That's a real question. Nyan <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, real thing. Potentially. Or, or gender bent, maybe. We don't know. Okay. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Either way, I'm gonna show off these sexy thresh skin. That's what it has to be. True, true. Literally, like an hour or two ago, we had to hit like all the hazard buttons. Go, crap! Everything's released. Still got to do a podcast. Yup. So, gentlemen, what is this podcast though? We've got a minute in. What is this podcast though, Nymera? Well, turns out this podcast is talking about nothing about League of Legends. Actually, nothing about it. No, as much as it could be about that, and we would talk about that for many hours, we cover all things about the Japanese League of Legends scene, specifically the League of Legends Japan League, which is their top flight um, League of Legends. And we do this to support our English, English cast of those games. And with that assumption, if we're casting them, we're offering unique insight into this, we're doing a podcast on top of this, initialize, we must have some form of affiliation with somebody, right? Well, in honor of Lilia's release, only in our dreams. No, Riot <laughs> aren't actually right. aren't actually involved with us right now. We wish they were. One day maybe they will come and notice us, Riot Senpai. Uh, and we will be affiliated. But for now, no, we do this all off our own back. We are not affiliated with Riot Japan or their partners or Riot Games in general. And with that said, this podcast also represents only our own views and opinions. It does not represent the LGL officially unofficial. This just happens to be a podcast with a similar name of it. We just like to talk about Japanese League of Legends as well as also voice our opinions. So understand that if we hard flame or we say something, you're like, whoa, that's a bit yeah, controversial. That's just a hot We're people too. Us. Yeah. We're, we're people too, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, we have our... Well, I know me and Lexi are. You're, you're kind of, you're my younger brother, so I don't, I don't think you're quite people. <laughs> I'm, I, it's a family I'm, thing. I'm an Ari man. I'm not sure I classify anymore. I think I've dro- <laughs> dropped those human traits. Uh, okay. Disgusting. Well, as always, you can check out our social medias either underneath our own panels if you're interested in one of the three of us, or you can find the LGL unofficial either on the screen right now, or to quib a quick recap, if you want to hear more of me, that's uh, Mars Swan on the internet. Otherwise, though, gentlemen, say your handles. Uh, well, I'm Nymera, same as my handle underneath. See, you didn't give an order, and therefore we both start speaking at the same name. time. It's like Schrodinger. You know, you're just there, and like one of us will say something. I'm Nymera, same as it will be written underneath my name as well. There's a little at symbol and stuff. It's got an A-E in there. 
And as I kind of overspoke my brother there, sorry, buddy. Uh, I'm at initialize on most things. Though the the L is generally a one because initialize tends to get taken. So because he's number one, I am number one. That's, that's in trash. See, that was a nice response. I thought it was going to be nice. It was just actually mean. That's really sad. And you can find us also on other social media <laughs> for the full LJL unofficial at LJL unofficial or LJL underscore officially underscore unofficial or just by searching LJL yeah. unofficial. You'll find us on most search engines. We also have a Discord server, which we will be plugging in all of our show notes. Or if you go on any of our videos, you'll be able to find it there as well as I believe if you Google it, you can also find it as well. And cool. also this podcast goes out on all audio streaming platforms if you are an audio connoisseur. Sir, or if you're already on listening on audio, this is also a YouTube video where you can also see our mugs if you wanted to do that as well. You can see that I've not had a haircut since August. I mean, I think all yes. of us haven't. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's the Samson effect at this point where we're growing stronger in our power. Uh, wrinkly brained. That's, that's it. What yeah. The longer the hair, the more wrinkly the brain. That, yeah. And with that, gentlemen, we're going to try and uh, introduce what we're going to be doing this week on the podcast. As always, we'll be giving our roundup, our weekly roundup. We've seemed to be enjoying doing it this way. So what we'll do is we will cover each and every team, how they're doing this week, our thoughts on that team as we go from bottom to top. And then we will go do our standard thing of our players of the week for each of us. That is our own personal opinions in each of these roles. We will obviously hard flame each other if we disagree, but <laughs> it is still our opinion, so we can't really do it. We're also not doing it definitively best player. It is a bit of opinion based. And to last round us off, we'll have a little bit of a meta talk, which comes out. Meta talk. Meta talk. So, gentlemen, let us get into our first main subject. And uh, let's talk about and do our weekly roundup for our teams. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like we need like have a, like we need to have a, like a, a news beat sound effect. Wait, wait, I've got a thing. And now we will do the weekly roundup. Second. I was more like sure. I was I was more hoping for like the BBC breaking news. Like dun, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll I'll find something for next that, time. That, that, that works. <laughs> I mean, I'm still waiting on Sam to make that meta talk little. Uh, oh, yeah, sure, oh the the jingle. Yeah, that's it's almost uh, a meme well, at this point because that's what I'm liking yeah. about it. It's like Sam yeah. make the music, and it's like never music. It's just us always trying to do bad harmonies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, at this point, though, the what I will actually make will be bad harmonies, so we could have that like, but just forever. Yeah, and you pick it from different <laughs> podcasts as well. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's oh no! It's, oh, it's like singing game. "Happy Birthday" on Zoom. Oh no! It's oh, yeah. it's awful. Yeah, it's great. I've had um, to see sit through three birthdays of that, by the way. It's really bad. Yeah, don't don't it's do beautiful. it. Don't don't do it. Don't don't do a. Anyway, it's, it's avant garde. <laughs> it's definitely something, gentlemen. Let's begin with our first team for the weekly roundup. And uh, our first team in last place is still Axis. They are currently sitting mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. 0 and 8 with a 0% win rate and a streak of 8 losses. Um, to me, my quick note was uh, dead in water. Um, yeah, I don't really have much more to say. I'm going to pass it off to you guys. I think the scary thing this week for Axes is that actually they looked better in some ways and they're yeah. still quite trash at the moment. Um, they're really struggling to carry uh, any kind of mid-game kind of play. They, they they managed to split it about half and half on First Bloods as far as I'm aware. They're, they're doing okay in some of their early game stats. As far as, you know, as far as I remember, actually, their early game stats are not awful. They no. just don't transition, transition into anything. 
Hoglet picked up Volleybear a couple times this week, looked pretty okay. Um, Gadiaru had a couple of games which he did okay in as well, I think particularly versus Ace. He actually managed to have like the sole gold advantage at 15 minutes, like he was doing fine. Um, but nothing comes with these individual pieces, absolutely nothing, and it is looking very, very unlikely they make playoffs now. Very unlikely. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty good if dire outlook on where axis are at nats mate isn't pulling his weight in top side i mean he went zero seven and three on the atrox hoglets find some success on the, the volley bear early on some decent pathing and you know blowing some flashes and getting first blood that's good news but um gary Aru isn't be able to do it alone uin yan isn't a consistent enough ad carry and the rest of the team just don't look coordinated particularly around I mean, guys for fuck's like, sake corporal's got 10 percent of their damage yeah, that's that. That's suspect. no other team in the OGL has that. He is one of the highest damage representations across the league. That, that's yeah. just showing like they're just yeah. all over the place. I, I mean, will say that yeah. Unica had eight percent at one point. So, <laughs> and that's from jungle. Ooh, so, uh, look, it's no. uh, yeah. There are some sometimes players are outliers and stuff, but okay. yeah, I think yeah, I, as I mean, Sam was saying, top side is not good for them. I mean, I will also put in just as before, like the biggest one for me was the game versus V3, where they lost a five versus three. By the <laughs> yeah, the, like, the most staggered five V3 mm. ever. And they just went for it. It's like, oh God, make it stop. Yeah, and that was with was V3, like with Ace missing a lot of things on Syndra. Like it was, it was a two and a half yeah. V5 in a lot of ways. Like that's, that's not okay. And that's axis at the moment we had all had them pegged as almost a lock for playoffs contention but part of the problem yeah. is moving the comp moving the team around has definitely hurt any form of chances um yeah. Yan just isn't able to get quite settled on his off role which is it, it is his off role and Natsume hasn't been able to fill his shoes and that's just it's been a problem you know so yeah. mm. We are still hopeful for Axis, but uh, that hope is uh, fleeting, I feel. As, uh, mm. Well, this oh, is yes. double double the lost streak they came back from in spring, and they yes. just came in to playoffs at the end of it. Just. And don't get me wrong, that a lot of that was helped by the fact that a lot of people had l losses taken off of them and stuff by, by having some very dominant top teams, mm. right? So that means that their total win score is always going to go down because um, you know DFM last split were really, really high. And it looks like V3 are looking to do similar things in this split as well, given how they performed so far. But that's not going to be enough. That is not going to be enough. They need to win. They need to win like six of the remaining eight matches, or whatever it is. Yes, like, they that, do. That's oh, six. No, they've only six got fourteen games total, so they probably need to, need win, to win at least three or four of them. They'd have to, to get into playoffs. They need to win all of them. No, really. they realistically, could, they could probably get away with five. Five and a tiebreaker. Five and a tiebreaker. Probably, yeah. Five will be a tiebreaker. Because they've they've lost round robin one to. They, everyone yeah so they need already, to win they've already done a rematch fight as well and that didn't go well so uh... <laughs> but, but that means they have to fight off against like the entirety of the top four no okay no they've they've played v3 twice, yeah, v3 twice? V3. no no they've played them just the once i think that was their last oh, match so the round robin. was their repeat and they needed to win that oh so. gosh so they've actually so one of those teams that well, we would expect them to win and someone they might have to have a tiebreaker against now has the two over two oh over them yeah and they won't get to face them for an easier sprint of the schedule. No. So, yeah. yeah, not looking good. Hey-ho, hey-ho, that's Axis. What can we say? Flip. Outside of everything, sadly, we've said, right? I hope they get, hope they get the visa situation sorted in the break. Yes. And maybe they can run a miracle run back. Yeah, that's the only hope for yep. them, right? Gentlemen, let's move on to uh, Rascal Jester. 
who had a slightly better week this week. They ended up going one yeah. and one. They uh, beat the Hawks in a pretty fun game, honestly speaking. That was a, was a fun one to watch. And uh, was. Uh, I actually, did I cast? No, I didn't cast that one. I watched this one. Um, mm. It was good fun. It was enjoyable. It was. But they also then got um, the opposite done to them against <laughs> IV3. So, uh, yeah. 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 Um, I, I've basically said they're showing something in my notes, but that's it. Cog yeah. Cog looked good this week, actually. Yeah, he did. Cog Cog, well, game one looked good from Cog Cog. <laughs> sure. Like, I think that's fair. Like, the, the Kale pick for Cog Cog was good news for the Jesters, right? I think that's fair to say. It gave them another place to carry from because Pink can't really do it from mid. Uh, and giving mm. Hachimecha, like, duties on Trundle where he can be a bit of a frontline and set up for Cog Cog and Art to just carry team fights is great news. The teleport plays looked slick as well from Pink mm -hmm. and Cog Cog early on. Uh, so they're looking more coordinated, and the coordination is getting them out to places where their Kale is getting away in lanes that she should never have got away with. Like, the Volley Bear got nothing done versus her early. She came out of a teleport with a kill, turned up back to lane, and got to items with no contest. Turns up in mid-game team fights with a Karma in a back pocket as well. And it well, turns it out... Wasn't... Remember, it wasn't even just the early team fights. There was, like, a teleport bot lane versus... Yeah, yeah, um... came a lot of it. Versus the Hawks, and like suddenly Kale's got like one zero one before level six, which is not something which should happen. So Kokog, we got really accelerated that game. He played well around his 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 um advantage. That's the word. Yes. Yeah. So no, I think as compared to the first time um Jess, Rascal Jester and Softbank Hawks played, remember that was the shortest game of the split, twenty minutes rough. twenty seconds. Uh, it looked like the Jesters were much more on it in terms of responding with TPs, playing around the map well. So some signs of life from them there. Yeah, I mean, like, the bot lane got a little dicey. I mean, the first blood went down in the bot side, which was good news for the Jesters. It got a little dicey after that because a lot of summoners were burned to get it by the Jesters bot lane. And credit to the Hawks, which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. They turned it around after a couple times on the bot side. But considering where the Jesters were after week two, zero four, I believe it was, they've gone one and one yep. two weeks in a row. And yep. considering they're playing with two substitutes, Pink in particular looked really rough in the first couple of weeks. This is a serious improvement, and um, I potentially give them an edge to get that last spot into playoffs over the Hawks, actually, at the minute, but hmm. we'll wait and see. We will have to wait and see. Rascal Jester showing some life. Maybe there's a chance they can make playoffs, but a deeper run is uh, probably yeah. not on the cards nah. for them nah. moving forward. The next team will be the Fukuoka Softbank Hawks Gaming, who this week also went one and one, losing to Rascal Jester, but they did beat Axis in a pretty dominating fashion, to say the least. Um, mm -hmm. I've uh, my note here is decent showing for a lower level team this week for them. They definitely show that they they're, they're showing some life. Yeah, and um, if there's one player I'm going to call out from this team, it's Honey. I think yeah. Honey did really well. He got two games of Callista this week and came out to some early leads in game one versus Rascal Jester, but was also versus a Trundle, Karma, Ash, and then the, the Nautilus as well. Basically, everyone can slow the Callista and drop your DPS. And even then, the Callista very nearly ren it on a couple of team fights. But playing against AoE, Karma Shields in a death ball comp, really, really difficult. So game one was a bit rough, but then second game just flew off the handle and ended up uh, taking it to Axis. Time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Honey had a genuinely excellent week in a way we've kind of... The last week as well, when they got the win over Burning Core, mm. like, that was on the back of a, a good Aphelios performance as well. And, like, obviously, we've talked 
at length about that performance from Yuhi being pretty suspect. But, you know, for the ball being thrown, you've still got to catch it. And Honey did a great job of that the week before. Mm. Um, also, a bit of credit in that second game versus Axis. Dasher and Tussle also had a pretty good mm. game. 10-1 and 10 on the LeBlanc was impressive. It was, you know, 2-2 two, two and 16 on the Lee Sin as well. You know, those guys stepped up. But I, I think for me, I'm with Nymer. I think it was uh, yeah. the bot lane and particularly Honey who looks pretty I want to get your guys' opinions on whether... Dasher being inconsistent from game one to game two or whatever is kind of becoming a trend now or whether it's just an off thing because like he had a pretty bad Galio game in game one. Like it was pretty bad. He was ulting uh, very inopportune moments. I mean, um, yeah, and this was against Pink who played another game against yeah. Galio and got crushed. Did, got yeah. crushed. So I'm almost thinking that I, I think there's a problem with just the team and Dasher's play for the team. And it, it's, it's connected. Good, they're not gelling. They're not fucking mm. gelling. Like they, they seem yeah. to be able to beat some of the other level teams because they're they're just not as just good. Look, it's similar yeah. to the Hawks um, in in spring in the earlier few weeks, right? Yeah. So people, they were they good mechanically overpower people. Yeah. yeah, but I actually think the reason that that's the case is because think about it, Rascal Jesters. Two, um, they've got um, two people filling in. Axis, um, they've got a rotation, um, off roll, and someone filling in. I genuinely think they're kind of getting by at the moment because there's just other rosters which just don't look as good. Yeah, I, like, I can definitely see something about well, Felt a bit gifted as well. I think Dasher is kind of that. exacerbating that problem even further, maybe. I think, well, I mean, Ramano sucked on Galio in spring as well. Oh, so got, I'm not going yeah. to put, yeah. put that one on him in particular. I think that when you look at game game two and Dasher really popped off on, on the long went 10-1-10, and 10, which is frankly ridiculous. Very but... Yeah, I, I I don't really trust the consistency of the Hawks. And now having a head-to-head of one-to-one -one with Rascal Jester, there is a chance we get a tiebreaker race towards the end of the season there. So keep your eyes on that. That will be interesting to see. So my eyes on Dash are specifically to go kind of back to your question, Lexi, as well. Um, I somewhat agree, but I actually put it more down to a play style issue. And we've been over this before with Dasher. Like when he was in the top side, he had to go for the outplay every time and if he gets it he looks good if he doesn't then he looks a bit suspect i think that extends to the champions he plays and how he plays them too mm. galio is not in that same mold as something like leblanc right like galio you, no you it's not trade a right in lane and you and there are options to like get the taunt plays and that kind of thing but you need other people to come back up with you um and i i'm not sure that he's actually got the breadth of play style at the minute to pull off something like a galio right now at least not from what i've seen of him. I, I agree with you but i also think there's a problem with his jungle i don't think tussle's particularly playing great he's playing he's on and off fine on and, off. and i think that's sure. and i think this is a whole pro thing that we've seen from the whole of the hawks at the moment now honey has woken up in the sense that i was hopeful he would have woken up in spring great honey's mm. now awake that doesn't mean fucking anything if the rest of the team is still so flippant on how well they're going to play in some games. Yeah. Sometimes they, I mean, they're all like... on and they look so good. They could be top of the they could be up with the top four. Other games they look like it and you just look at them and go, guys, what is what is going on? You should be out of playoff mm. contention. Like I'm wondering time. whether that's actually a thing about what teams have practiced in terms of the compositions that they're um Oh, happy playing with and playing against and stuff because oh. like it's it's really easy to look good and on the same page when you've really nailed one composition or one game sure. state but then like if someone so we were talking about um cj last week in terms of like they just fight all the time <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and like when you play against someone like that they just throw people off their very practiced regimens and that can maybe lead to some micro advantages and if you do that against someone like the hawks they kind of fall apart a bit 
Um, I will say Tussle is better than the lowest tier of junglers, which I would say is like yeah. Unicorn and Hoglet right now. I think that he's doing better than that lot. Sure. I don't think he's anything special, but he's very... One of them is a jungler very... we've been flaming, and yeah. one of them's a fill-in jungler that we're very yeah. unimpressed with, so like, I... Yeah. If I can... Yeah, no, that's, it's not saying much, but it's just yeah. making the caveat sure, there. Sure. So yeah, I mean, if, if I can step in a little in defense of Tussle, somewhat, and this is not necessarily saying that I think Tussle's genius or anything right now, but mm. I, I kind of tend to agree with a little bit of... Um, think is it v v3's x manager forget i forget exactly what this was <laughs> I know on twitter about, yeah you know who i'm talking about um we, we, i was talking about how tussle's in a bit of a tricky position that i tend to agree in that aramic nearly if aramic's ever under pressure he just seeds a whole quarter of the jungle out like and then tussle does not get to use a court half his jungle because aramic loses control of it um and that can put your jungler in a really really difficult position where you, you are then like on literally life support because you've lost half your camps and you've lost half the map. But this, um, this, and this that, that can be challenging too. I mean, so this I think there's the an question, element of the team in general. I mean, this was the question that we asked um, last week. I think I think Nymera brought this up and goes, well, when do you just say, screw it, kick Aramik out and get a new top laner? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you have the to question look is at who's it. available. He's like... Who's available? I mean, you. there's got to be loads of people in the Japanese challenger scene who would love an opportunity... To at least even sure. maybe do it. We, we're not seeing that. And I mean, we're seeing that from Immortals at the moment over in NA. Mm. Like, constant yeah. roster swaps. Granted, the big thing that really... NA Japan, fans are harsh, though. But the, regardless, yeah. we don't have a challenger league anymore in Japan. Which is a big no. hurt for the, the up-and-comers now. And that might genuinely kind of stagnate Will the region the moving yeah, forward over the next year or two. I don't know how that's going to work. But imagine if you had, like, the Hawks Academy, Rascal Jester Academy, like, all of these teams had Academy rosters. Something. You would immediately switch Aramic with any of your your Academy top laner and just try it. If it went horribly worse, you go, well, Aramic's way better than this guy. But you could also maybe have yeah. Urnyan stay in the top lane and then have an AD carry going in, and that's... Yeah, that, that's I think that's a big option. thing for Axes. For Axes, I think they need to start asking, if this split has absolutely sunk, why don't we just try something new and see if we can find some diamond in the rough? Because yeah, it ain't working a, with this. Find an AD or a top laner. That's, that's also, their options. Also, bluntly, for these bottom roster teams that we have been talking about the last few minutes, you've got two weeks off. Now is a chance to bring someone in and give Three them weeks, more time. Right? Well, right. Yeah, Three but weeks, you've got yeah. time. You have time. Uh, whereas before, it would have been like, a week, if that, where you need to bring someone mm -hmm. in and get them re ready to go into pro pro play in like what a few days. There is time at this point, so this is a point to make changes if you've got the time and you've got the players. Do it now. Also, did we ever learn if Corporal is actually taking up an import slot or not? Um, I'm pretty sure he does. I think he's an OC. Uh, okay. uh, he played in um, OCE, so he is technically an import. Okay, because I wasn't sure if he was technically... An oh, that's a, that's a good question, actually. Because if he's, if he's not taking an Let me drop him a message on Twitter to see if we get anything. Okay, so we'll we'll come back to this if we ever get anything. Because that would be something really cool to know. Oh, yeah, so... Um, if he Gamepedia... isn't, then... That's great. And then they could immediately get maybe a someone from Australia to come. I, visas, everything else is almost impossible. But, like, it's something they have to think about moving forward. Because, God, it's... Not so, looking good, um, but in all fairness to the Hawks, something's working out for them, right? Bring it back around to the Hawks. Yeah, something's no. working for them. They're hot and yeah. cold. I, I don't think what initially I said earlier, the Jesters could probably take it from them if they figure their own stuff out, because at least they're playing far more like a team. And yeah. Their consistency in game is a bit more consistent, I would say. And Pink, Pink is slightly less tragic than he was in week one. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, like, he's been bolstered by picks like Karma and shit, but... 
yeah, he's he's still an issue, but we'll we'll see. I'm not willing to cast any dice on that when both teams have still got a lot of issues. Yes, hundred percent, gentlemen. It's time to go mm -hmm. on to our fifth place team, a team who have uh, performed very well, tied with the Hawks, but uh, slightly mm -hmm. above in how we're covering them. Um, partly because, my God, the week they had was actually pretty solid from them. They went one and one this week, and they were in the group of death this week. Congratulations yep. to them. They look so, so good. Once went under, didn't die versus Unica and the Crest Gaming Act crew. And frankly, I said uh, very good for taking a game from CGA and for being in this group. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, considering they were against CGA and Sengoku, yeah, 1-1 one, one is ridiculously good for this team. Um, they took the, the win off of CGA. Yeah, and for me, it comes off the back of a really good draft. And part of that is CJ drafting their last pick quite badly, and I'll I'll have a rant about that in a bit. But um, credit to Burning Core to playing out the team composition, not letting the game get away from them, winning pretty much every fight the whole damn game, and closing it out. Well, I mean, I've set this up before, but uh, there are a couple things that Burning Core need to win a draft, and that is. You, he gets a Felios. Welcome to playing blue side for Burning Core, where they get that option more often not. If it's red side, it can be banned away a bit more easily. Mm. So blue side, you, he gets a Felios, and then once and Ray Farkey get agency. So some way to carry, particularly for once. We've seen his carry junglers, Lee Sin here, looked pretty stellar. Ray Farkey gets on the Aatrox, pretty damn good. At which point Burning Core looked like a good team. But that is their kind of, that is their win condition is their top side of the map needs extreme strength and Yuhi needs a Felios. That's a pretty limited scope to win draft. And that, I think, is why they're dropping more games than than not in some cases. Makes sense. That makes... That. Yeah, no, I, to I actually think that's a very yeah. smart observation from um, you. Yeah, but particularly particularly in the CGA game, um, <laughs> I mean, they had a Galio versus effectively four melee champions because Graves yep. is very low range as well. And like they're trying to dive onto... This Aphelios is effectively their one carry, and then like the Galio is just there to just make your day really bad. <laughs> Wait, you want and... to go on my guy? No. Yeah. I am just, the. Galio, I am the torn. statue of Demacia or something. Uh, Might have Demacia. He's the defender, defender of Demacia or something yeah. like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I, I can't uh, remember his tag, but uh, the Burning Core, like they knew they were playing in CJ, and it's uh, well. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more on that thing after that, so I won't go into it now. But I think Burning Core had a really good draft, and they played it out well. Uh, they did get put to the sword versus Sangoku when we're going that way, but even then, they were competitive for large swathes of that game. Yeah, and that yeah. was also not a very bloody game of only being five no. ten, and they were on the five and Sengoku on the ten. That's mm. yeah, they kept Sengoku rather competitive for longer than I expected. In all fairness, I, I agree. Okay. I think there's also something to be said for, I, I liked the creativity from Burning Core in that game. Yes. So, cause this is the one where once ended up kind of being pseudo funneled once the Lulu hit um, her core items. Two items, two items, yeah. yeah. At which point, you know, you're getting this Shins out, this guy wants who you know is your hard carry, you can win you games 1v9, we've seen it so many times. They tried to get it going on that. Um, I there like was, I think this... Sorry, go on, man. I mean, I want to say, outside of everything, I was very impressed with all members except for you. He still is a question mark for me. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, had yeah a great, He had one versus CGA, but the problem is he was a definitely he was set a, up to succeed. A point of fault for, against Sengoku, and um, yeah. potentially if that yeah. game goes a bit different, I mean, once didn't have a brilliant game, but like it's consistent that we've seen this from Yuhi, and that's where yeah. I'm kind of like, man, if you for a bit and a half. 
yeah, it's like, come mm. on, man, come on, turn up, wake up, come on, the rest of your team's doing it, come on, if you can wake up with it, this, yeah. this comp actually could go far. Yeah, and, and I will say that Proud had a good week. Proud yes, um, very yes, good. Yes, Proud had a very good week. But when week. does he not uh, he at was... the moment? <laughs> yeah, he's no, a, this split, no, this has been doing really well. Um, As did Ray Farkey, as well. Yeah, but and then again, we're talking about the consistent players so far from this team, right? Mm. And, yeah. yeah, and like, like Yujo kind of got hammered a bit by Perian, but it's not. Well, again, he had a Jin Zhao to bail him out of some situations, and he wasn't feeding. Exactly. A, I mean, uh, it was a well, free lane to Perian on Azir, which sucks because Azir <laughs> were free harm. Huh. Azir were free of harm, just runs over a game. But, I know the like, script. I've seen this one before. Yeah, yeah it this sucks. Was, this was the thing I was trying to, like, if I can get yeah. in a little bit as well, like, is that the thing that did raise some alarm bells for me here is this was when Bernie Core went. You know, had a quiet early game and weren't snowballing, which, you know, they definitely can do. You know, once pulling off crazy invades, yada, yada, yada. They just fall behind, like, across the lanes in farm. Of course, mm. you the Rafe, the Wukong in lane, we kind of know is not the, the best farming lane dominant champion. Like, we've kind of seen that across the world. That's not what he's there for. But bluntly, the Lulu went down a flame horizon. Bot lane went down as well. Top lane was already in a, a bit of a matchup where Wukong never does always that well. You know, that isn't good either. And that, you know, and the Lulu was down 30, 50 CS before the funneling started. So it wasn't even just, you couldn't even just like attribute it to the fact that, well, okay, once was taking the farm. That wasn't, that was before all that. And mm, it was that, I think, probably puts a bit of a marker on, um, I think, a skill cap, particularly on the bot side of the map, where like there is a kind of ceiling where, uh, frankly, if you are just in even lane states, you're just getting you're just losing in terms of yeah. farm in terms and it's of consistent and that's problematic yeah, yeah exactly and and, and I, I mean i haven't looked into yuki's stats but if i wouldn't be surprised if he's down to almost every bot lane carry at the moment in the league and i can have a look if you want yeah go for it while while we uh get ready i mean i burning core is a weird team because it has ray farkey and it has proud who in my eyes i have for this split especially, I've rated very highly oh, in my tier list. Okay. But um, okay. and once has been playing very well. Yu-Gi-Oh is filling a gap at the moment. God damn mm. it! This is his first um, split, right? So like, I'm pretty impressed with him. Um, yeah. Because taking over from um, Rocky, uh, Rocky, so Rocky, like, yeah. very impressed, and it's just this consistency from Yuki, mm -hmm. which is just like, the thing about Bernie not Coral good consistency. Like, yeah. <laughs> the thing is that like we have a handful of teams this split who are trying to find ways to make their mid laners useful because they can't play around them. Mm. Um, not to primarily carry Burning Core one. Burning Core are one of those. But they're yeah. doing it with Yuki, who just can't get ahead. So here are some stats for you. He has only been ahead in CS at 15 minutes once. So what? Once this split, this split out of the eight games played, um, his CS differential at 15 minutes is minus 16, yeah, and his gold differential at 15 minutes is minus 882. So I you know, that. was, you, you, that's awful. The fact you are actually... and that's not when you're playing Senna. You're like you've played you've played four games of a Felios, mate. He's like leading a 1,000 gold advantage effectively. Yeah, yeah in like, lane. In lane. By yourself. Yeah, yeah, with proud, well, and imagine like, proud standing, looking next to him, just going, "What the oh, fuck is going man. on? I can land every thresh hook, and you're not gonna do shit." All it's, right. it's, it's a little bit different if you're somewhere like someone like Yujo, and you're playing Karma Lulu or whatever, and you have cheap items. Yeah. You can kind of get away with that. AD carries when everyone's building in fetch first or blade first, stuff like this. You have to get to your two item spikes quick because as soon as Ezreal comes online or whatever, or Callista comes online, 
you got to be ready to fight because they're going to fight you. And Yuhi just time and time again has not been ready to fight. And it has no. cost Burning Core a lot. No. Hey, hey, Karumba. Hey, Karumba, mm. guys. That's that's not ideal. Well, but at least Burning Core looked pretty solid, though. Even though we are flaming yeah. Yuhi a little bit. It's like, we're saying all of this. They still went one-on-one -on -one in the worst possible week for them this whole split. Yep. So sure. if sure. this and is where they're the currently really sitting... Yeah. Exactly. So um, potentially there's still a whole lot of hope move moving forward for Burning Core. And especially um, a lot of members on this team. So yeah, definitely talent. people are going to be watching out for. Gentlemen, oh, we've been ready for this since it happened. <laughs> oh my. This is going to be a long part of the podcast, by the oh, way, yes. dear listener. We have to talk about DFM having quite possibly their worst week of all time. Yep. I'll give you the floor, gentlemen, to start. All right. Domestic... Oh, you go. You go. You go. Okay. So, Detonation focused Me have won the League of Legends tournament in Japan seven times. They have had some of their players be some of the most tenured players in League of Legends, period. They are, you know, Seros and Utapon, I believe, are the second most tenured players in the world outside of Faker and SKT come to now, yep. now T1. That is the kind of dynasty this squad has built. Hell, Seros is known as the emperor in Japan because of his kind of history and success in the region. DFM have never had a 0-2 week domestically before this week. They've lost best of threes before, so there's some, you know, there are some things in that. But they've never had two match losses on a weekend, ever. There's obviously a couple caveats. There was a 0-3 loss to Rampage way back in 2017 spring, finals, which yeah. was a, a finals thing, which was you know pretty shocking, but it got Rampage out and they went to internationally. There were, they've lost games internationally, uh, and I think they lost a couple games in a row in 2019 across So weeks. Yeah, last game of week one in 2019, summer in the first game of week two, um, they lost to CGA and V3. Which, um, <laughs> so they lost two in a row, but and so they've lost two in a row in a domestic scene before. Is this DFM's worst week ever? They've had some bad international showings, which will probably hurt them a bit more. Sure. Is this domestic. their worst domestic week ever outside of that finals? Probably. Yeah. Probably. It's up there. It's, I mean, this yeah. is just middle of the week. Like, that's well, how yeah. big of a deal it is. This isn't like it's the finals and, like, teams have prepared and thought so much about this. They've been prepping for it, scrimming a bunch, doing sister teams. This is just middle of the week. This isn't even early spring, uh, summer weeks where it's, like, last year, where mm. it's like, well, we've, we're going to try a few things. Oh, well, we picked up two losses back to back. That's really a bad and unfortunate. But then they went out and dominated that summer. So they can at least look back on it with fondness. This is... They are four and four. They yeah. have a 50% win rate. Alex, you were saying some interesting stats about this. Go for it. So, um, the worst regular season record they have had was, I believe it was last year's summer. Okay. And that was 17-4, and four, which is an 80% win rate. That's the worst they've had. 80% is, is the That's benchmark for the lowest they have ever performed. We're halfway through the split. We're slightly over halfway through the split. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. set at 4-4, four and four, which is 50%. Um, if they were to... They can't uh, even... They can't tie that. If, if they were going to win the rest of the games, all seven remaining games, no, six remaining six games, they games. couldn't tie that now. Um, so they have consigned themselves to their worst regular split already, mm -hmm. and it's largely because of this week. And you can put caveats in saying they lost to two teams which are doing really well right now mm -hmm. and above them in the standings. 
let me add you another thing onto that. They have played four games against the t three teams we're going to talk about later. They have lost all four of those games. They haven't dropped against the lower table things, but distressingly, they have not managed to take a game off of a top team in the LGL, of which, nope. arguably, they are not part of now, if mm. you put it in that. That's mm -hmm. the hot take. Go on, initialize. You're going to have a lot of thoughts in regards to this. Yeah, so I, I think that obviously there are similarities to be drawn with the situation over in Europe where Fnatic and G2, mm, Fnatic, yes. Fnatic are doing even worse than DFM, G2 are doing slightly better. But there is that similarity where you've got the two giants of the region having some teething difficulties in the summer. And, you know, the cast over there are basically saying, like, there was a really good post-game lobby last week where Quickshot and Fusco were talking with Mac, who is the coach of Mad Lions. Mad Lions. He was basically saying, like, look... You expect them to get to playoffs. Once they're in players, be be afraid. You still have to be afraid Obviously. because they are that good. Um, and I think DFM are probably in a bit of a similar space. It's like, okay, there is a benefit of the doubt extended to a team like DFM who have won so much consistently at such a high level. Are there concerns being raised? Oh, yeah. Are they no longer the favorites? Oh, yeah. Are they still contenders? Most likely. Let's, let's not make yeah. any... Yeah, no, I'm not going to progress on that. We expect them to come into playoffs. We expect them to be um, strong contenders for the title. But they have never looked weaker. And I think that is quite telling. And I think some of the games this week raised some eyebrows for me about where the hell they are in terms of their team fighting stuff, which I think Nymera and the rest mm. of you guys will have some thoughts on as well. I mean, uh, my, first still, hot, yeah. I mean my first hot take is they are one win and ahead of burning core and the hawks yep and they are now a full week behind everybody else that is yep. scary for well now the lower level teams can go well actually you know what if we have a few good weeks Time for history we, we could actually completely change everything and you yep. know what's even scarier zero two head to head versus sangoku two. Oh. yep yeah, no, they're now one and three if you include spring and summer just in the regular seasons regular season yeah, Sangoku have got one game ahead of them across all their matchups, and they've played yeah. uh, 9, 10, 11, 13 times. I think it's 7 and 6 over to Sangoku. They're ahead in their best off versus them. How insane like, is that? That is, yeah, so petite, yeah. that is phenomenal. No. Remember, Sangoku only started last year. Yep, yep. And uh, so that's that's for this season, so it doesn't include the games from last season. But okay. um, they're like they're like 7 and 6 for this year. And I think it's very right that you're pointing out, because it's not something which I thought about until you just brought it up then. It's like, these bottom teams, they are now eyeing history if they can bump DFM down another place just with one upset. It's How crazy win. would it be if Burning Core and the Hawks both bump down Detonation Focus Me and Rascal Jester yeah. find a way? There is a world. There is a crazy world here where DFM don't make playoffs. Sure. I mean, I doubt it, but I there is that world. That's it's never it. been in doubt before. Like, this time, last split, they were pretty much guaranteed for playoffs, right? They were already a lock mm. at this point. They were a lock, pretty much. Yeah, they, they, were were. they were 9 and 0. They weren't 9 and 0. They were 9 and 0. V3 is now a lock. Yeah. V3 is actually a lock. I did the math. V3 is yeah. a lock now for it because of how the rest of the table is. Really now? So, V3 mm. are already a lock to make playoffs. They're standing they are. where they are in playoffs isn't sure, but they're a lock. Detonation focused me in a crazy world, could not make it. There is a world where we still see Axis in it and DFM not in it. Mad, there is actually mad. a world where that exists. I don't think we're in that world. And I, mm. I, I genuinely hope we're not because that's a crazy <laughs> upset. But so be pretty dumb. Yeah, we've talked a lot about what this means in terms of the league. We should probably go into the games a bit because that was sure. even more shocking for me in some ways, right? Because yeah. 
they played two very different games this week. Very different games. Um, they played versus um, CGA, and they played versus Sengoku. Versus CGA, it came down to uh, let's outskill. Let's just fight all the time, and let's just try and outplay. They got outplayed. Oh, Bad. They got outplayed. Oh, it was Bad. Really and versus Sengoku, they tried to play passive. Trying to play controlled. They lost to that too. They lost to that too. And that's the thing which I hadn't questions about DFM as well. You know, they're dragon stacking. They got control of the early game. If you look, I'm going to go get DFM's early game stats up because they're pretty phenomenal. Um, mm -hmm. they have, they've they lost. They've only had... They, their, their first blood is 88%. They have a huge amount of... Um, I think in this particular matchup... Is, everybody else, yeah. I think, in the league. It's huge, yeah. And even against Sengoku, they have... They're really likely to get first blood, really likely to get first tower. But they pretty much always lose first Harold and they lose Baron as well, which says something is going wrong in the mid game. Something is going very wrong in the mid game, and we saw that once again in these games. Yeah, I mean, to I think specifically this week as well, we have to question what the hell Ebby and Steel are doing in the mid game because, but against DF against Crest Gaming Act, they had once again good early plans to dive top and they put Nap in an awful position where they kill him for first blood, then he teleports back in, has to burn flash, has most of his health fall down. It looks really good. Ebby on the Renekton. <clears throat> Ends Quite up at 2-0-1. Yeah. Uh, Steel on this on this set that he pulled out a little bit before is to mixed success, but pulled it out was 1-1-2. One, one, and two. It was looking really good. They had the gold advantage. And then they hit mid-game teamfights where these, they both went insanely deep. And Evie ended up 2-5-1 and one on the Reconnect and having gone 2-0 and oh in the early game. Steel ended up going from 1-1-2 one, one and two to 2-5-2 two, two on the set. Mm. And hell, look at the game versus Sengoku. Evie's Wukong was once again poor. He went 0-3-0 on that champion. Got no kill involvement at all. Steel's um, Jarvan spent his time getting deleted and went 1-5-1. and one. That is a combined KDA for Evie of, what, 2-8-1? and one. When have you ever seen that from Ebby before? That's less so that's than a combined, five. That is a combined KDE for Steel of three, ten, and three. <laughs> and like, and like the rest of the map for DFM was looking honestly pretty okay. Like the Heimerdinger from Seros was doing decent damage. Utapon's Ezreal looking was, pretty good. It was fine, but it wasn't winning. It was fine. And yeah, my yeah. big so a thing that we kept saying on the cast. Well, actually, you two gentlemen, as you cast these games, is that. Uh, mm. Uh, your your host with the most uh, thought had a bit of hindsight and was like, let me cast the first two games. Didn't expect them to go that way for Burning Core and actually got some dope <laughs> <Mad>. games. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to cast some good ones. Burning but, uh, Core CGA, man. It's always a banger. Apparently it's always a banger. But a big thing I had a problem observing and you both brought it up on the uh, on while you were streaming is there is so much disrespect afterwards when we were talking. Yep. So much disrespect coming from DFM. It's uncharacteristic how much they didn't respect CGA and Sengoku's play, as well as engages, and that they thought they could just escape, and then they just got destroyed. They yeah. wouldn't leave a man behind. So they at least were like, well, we can protect our tower and we won't lose anything. Okay, that's a misplay. They just yeah. routinely, over and over again, were like, nah, it's fine. We can get him out aced. It's like, oh, so God, and lose the game through it. It's well, like... Because I really want to talk about this from the other team's perspectives later, and we will do, of course. Of course yes, we will of course. do, because the FM lost against both of these teams. But we saw whispers of this. Well, I mean, I started bringing them up, right, versus... I mean, mm. I've mentioned it a couple of times on previous podcasts, previous casts. You guys are sick of me telling you this now. But the Axes game, and also the V3 game. Mm. They had these, this, this, one, this couple of string of games where 
they're putting themselves technically into losing situations and they're trying to outplay themselves out yep. and they don't actually have the mechanical advantages to do that over the rest of the league right now. They're still good players, still great players, but they're not exactly helping themselves with their game plans, whereas the other teams have kind of got that over them so far. I, yeah. oh, sorry, go for it and initialize. Uh, and like, also when it comes to like, we've said they're getting good early game advantage, but the team fights are like, we're really questioning what's going on. There's been some split calls, there's been clutch out base i mean the v3 game some of the plays in that, that fight the v3 win over dfm are insane plays by mm-hmm. v3 Cheech, by the way like reiner and ace and just an arch is flashing oh man just amazing go back well, and watch no, that the turnaround yeah. fight every member of v3 had a special Massive moment player. in it i'll, 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 I'll we'll it, review it at some point it's, it's point, really cool it's the point that we've brought up multiple times in in spring split whenever they got themselves into this spot ebby and normally at least um either Cyrus or utopon would have tp and they would just double tp and figure out and just base rush it and just win the game through that they are not getting any of those opportunities anymore and they are getting told to basically fuck off on the rift and everyone's pushing them back and going you can't do this you we know these tricks we we know how you play now don't do this play how we know you can play well, and I think part of it as well for me is like, particularly this week, it's Ebby and Steel who were largely the engage options. Uh, yep. And they were pulling off engage for the rest it. of the squad. The rest of the squad could not follow up on. Ebby would burn Dominus, then go in and be completely alone because no one could follow where he was doing. Yep. Steel on the Jarvan spent his, found a great three-man cataclysm in isolation. But that's the problem. It was isolation. Oh, Abelios yeah. was a flash and a walk away from being able to do anything. Oh, and he was the one with all the well. items. Even in that one, he wasn't really... They weren't forcing cooldowns well, or they liked the tools to do so. And then um, as soon as you get like these three-man cataclysm, turns out two of them have a way out of it, and the third one stands and fights and kills them anyway. Yeah, doesn't so care. What, like... what does it matter? What does it matter? So for me, actually... So it was... Um, whereas a couple of weeks ago particularly in the Axis V3 things, we were asking the question, are they going for the right plays and executing it badly, or is it kind of trying to outplay in a bad situation? Now I just think, they, think they're making the wrong plays. I think they're just... They, I, th- I don't know whether it's a mentality thing, whether it's something which has been going wrong in scrims and they've not managed to regain their form, but particularly still on even the set, and one of the reasons I love Jungle Set is that it's really hard to remove from the game. He always <laughs> lives with his haymaker. He's really hard to kill. He's easy to support. And that's we see it support as well. And Proud and Reiner and all the other guys are doing really well so on good. that. Steel was like miles ahead of the rest of his team, showstoppering into his own show being stopped quite abruptly, yeah. in fact. Bit and there was, a really, there was some really key moments versus CGA where he died while Baron was really low HP oh, twice yeah. before the smite could go down. That was just stupid. That was absolutely it was, ridiculous. Part he of that was. Do the show, do the ultimate, which I can't remember no. the name of. Showstopper. Show it was, oh, it's the show. Okay, yeah. And then just go, ah, well, I'm dead. And then Baron, he looks Rest at Baron and goes, to... 2K Baron. And then, and then Chris and Unico yeah. just goes, so I'll smack it a few times with my trundle hammer, smite. Oh, guys, we did it. No. I can't. It, yeah. Is this how DFM play, guys? They're easy. This is crazy. Well, you can, you... You can hear the bot side of DFM's back going like, "No, Steel is like dying I, again." I, mean, I will throw oh. it out there: Utopon's still playing well on this team. Really, like, yes, yes. we hold these guys to such high standards, and we've set the historical precedent. But DFM are in like dire straits now. But actually, in all this fairness, is bot lane aren't even winning lane like they used to now. Like they are getting yeah, pushed different. back. They're getting pushed back. You, Utopon um, and Gang went. I don't think that's well, true. Uh, actually, no. Against they're Sengoku. Not, they're not against Sengoku. They won lane. They, they, they did well in lane, but they didn't transition that into a win for the game. Because the rest of their no, team was like, hard inting, right? So, but yeah, they also, Gang was not roaming anywhere, think, not anywhere near yeah. as much as he usually does, because he had to baby. 
So yeah, and I think they had a good game versus Gango and Grandal actually as well, like on the versus the Ezreal bar. I think it was fine. It was pretty well there. Yeah, uh, but though it was rough actually, but they it was, but they were playing weak side, and that was pretty rough. So it was yeah. more a trough thing there where they were fighting around Ezreal's. Yeah, Gang was wasn't able really to run around fashion. like he should have, which was well, he well he did run around just fine, but it left Ezreal by himself, which was fine in what for what it's worth. But it meant that then DFM tried to fight because Renekton was strong, but Ezreal was on cult here mm. versus like Ash. You had like a Bilgewater Cutlass at the time, which is just a better spike at that point. That that kind of thing as well. It's like. Should you be trying to stack Drakes at this point when you just don't have True. the right? Yeah. Like, there's some those, those mid game decisions making is like, yeah, it's fine, we'll outplay. It's like, well, will you when you're well, yeah, you're an Exxon strong, but your Ezreal is really, really not that kind of thing. No, 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 it's fine. Let's team fight. Let's mm. team fight. <laughs> Gango alt. Yeah, ah, there was, we lost. <laughs> there was some there was some really awkward points where they were trying to team fight with like a tear and cull on Ezreal. Like, come on, guys. That is basics. That's actually basics. I know that you're trying to stack early dragons and shit. So basically what happened in that CGA game was like they take second dragon, I think it is, but it yeah. forces out Steel's flash because like Ezreal can't fight back, obviously, and there's a collapse coming in. So then they lose that flash. Come up to the Herald fight, CJ just tear them apart because there's no flash on 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 Steel. He dies mm -hmm. really easily, and the rest of the team starts falling apart because a large part of the front line's dead. Yeah. Um. I was. And it happened. Yeah, I think over so. and no. over in both of these games, no. they routinely did this, and it's they they only got eight kills between the two games. Yeah. yeah, I th I think that um, particularly one once again. So in the DFM Sengoku game, I think that's more interesting to watch from my perspective because it wasn't just about getting outplayed. It's like actually they're just getting outthought. They lost the mind yeah. game and they lost the macro really heavily. Once again, Pyrian found ways to survive in mid lane one v two, one v three a lot. He was not getting hit by Syndra stuns. He was getting good farm, had good gold advantage, kind of just solo or not even just solo. Um, Blank found ways to have really time efficient ganks into mid lane. Sure, uh, but we'll talk about that yeah. from their perspective later. Yeah, it was it was multiple ganks mid like they didn't get killed sure. per se to Sengoku but like they managed to get they were just irritating and, right? and don't get me wrong I think Saros had a good week on the yes, whole I don't think he was awful like he had some good outplays on the Heimendinger he had like I think I think, like, good was nice. I think fine would be the word I, I look at his team fight position it was average it was so medium yeah, like because he's not I, comparing like, up to um, Arya or Pyrian in my eyes Sure, okay. No, he's not. He's, he's, he's maybe emperor. coming in. He is Emperor, he's, right? He's like, he's somewhere between fourth pushing on third. Yeah. And that's, that's not good enough but to carry not, a slumping Steel and Ebby. That's not it's the not. title he's and it's, got. It's, 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 and it's not enough to carry their slumping topside. That's no. the big thing Yeah, and, and, um, and, that, and that's part of the deal as well, right? It's like, for Pyrian and uh, Pyrian and Arya, like actually, uh, Unica and Blank play around their mid laners really well at the minute. Steel hasn't been largely... Um, yeah, Unica basically lives on Arya's side. He's like a sure, parrot uh, almost for him. He's like, Unica, are you here? Ah! <laughs> Trundle Pillar um, comes up and they get a kill on Ciros. That's what happened. Yeah. And we've seen how Sengoku going play around jungle knowledge, particularly uh, as so it good. pertains to how Pyrian yeah. then plays his lane. You know, yeah. we've had those conversations before. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. No, no, I thought I was going to do it. I'm really sorry. We left her a little bit. Okay, no, I, that was where I was leaving that. I'm sorry. No, okay, no, no, that's that's it. It. Yeah, and that, and particularly just, blank. Yeah. And that's just it. And that's just it. Very disappointing for DFM. Yeah. We've, I, we've spoken for 20 minutes about how disappointed we are for DFM, yeah. lads. So sure. I think... No. I think. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. More we'll important. We expect more post the break. We expect yes. more. It'll be a new patch. It's a time to reset. The patch might change a fair amount and... The top and mid, the top and jungle need to figure out how they want to play this matter. Yeah, and also hopefully maybe they can rely on bot lane or maybe mid to maybe play around, some it, of the play around you, it more. 
Utopon's been playing well. The bot lane, I don't have a particular issue with. It's just they're so used to having Steel and Ebi be so good, and they're not right now, and it's well, not enough like, for them, and they were losing against top teams. weighing hugely when teams like Burning Core, who have weak side, but Rayfarki yeah. finds a way through. Once yeah. finds yeah, a so way through. Yeah, so if Yuhi gets a Felios, they're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, basically. But even then, when Yuki doesn't get it, at least Rayfarki and Want still find ways into the True. game. And like even their mid laner um, still finds ways. So it's the, the rest of the team aren't finding those ways. And um, I'm wondering well. if that's a other thing. But let's look at a team, though, who went 2-0 this week. And they, they looked very comfortable in their victories. Well, one of them less so. And it's not the one you're thinking of. Gentlemen, let's talk about Sengoku Gaming, who went 2-0, beating Detonation Focus Me, what we've said many times, but then they also had a, um, well, hilariously um, shorter, but it was a more competitive game, in my opinion, versus Burning Core. Gentlemen, thoughts? Um, they have some really good players, turns out, Sengoku. Yeah, <laughs> funny that. Uh I, I, yeah, um, the two. Burning Core like, game, yeah, the Burning Core game, Burning Core tried to, like, flip the chess table and say, yo, we're playing a different game, with, like, once picking up the Jinzao, and Jinzao warps the map early, and, then, and <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, just the, the standard of laning and macro, and just terms of how yeah. they shield their players, is so damn good, and even then in this game, I felt like Pyrian probably played his, maybe his worst game of the split he got caught out by Maybe. once a couple of times and got forced out of fights quite early didn't matter mm -hmm. he finished three one or three he had a flame horizon it just doesn't matter you cannot keep these guys down and farm it doesn't work like that yeah and like for all the plays that burning core were making like they could never snowball never they did not manage to snowball this game at all no. because they were always fighting against the weight of laning advantages like it was pretty absurd like they got early dragons hell they got a baron like, they managed to sneak a Baron having forced to play once. That they managed was, to go back and get it. Like, Baron. Like, and, like, and, like, it was well played by Burning Core. It fit their win conditions, but they could never do anything, do anything with it because they were, they never had the map set up well enough to push out that far. And bluntly, they were just never got to snowball because they were losing lane advantages. In all fairness, Rayfarki had a pretty decent lane. Um, Proud had a reasonable showing, but the problem is Sengoku just looked dominant. They just don't look like you can really stop them in a lot of senses. Enti is performing beautifully on this yeah, bard he had a good, he had a good series. Yeah. Like, his bard was great. Even though he only went 2 Oh, his bard three. was really good, actually. Yeah, it, it was yeah, absurd. It was the amount of ults that he just got, which were just clutch. He was getting two three-man ults or just disabling turrets so they could just dive. It was so well-timed mm -hmm. in a lot of sports. And even though he only went 2-1-3 against DFM, every single one of those <coughs> kills or assists basically said to dfm <laughs> no we win this whole fight and that's yeah. literally what happened a lot no it's good to see something out of nt honestly it's really good to see something out of him because um sometimes he's been very quiet on that roster he's probably the quietest member of them agree. all things said and done um i think that blank once again playing very good in pressure playing good he in terms of macro he is an ever-present force such and he sets up his map for success so so well and we're talking about against mm -hmm. dfm like um there was somewhat of a vertical jungling situation early into the game and mm -hmm. he'd just find a way to pop in put a smoke screen and like spend like 10 15 seconds min blow something uh from from sarah so it might not yeah sometimes it's just hp trades but it forced him off a wave and it meant that period on his zoe could once again just slowly roll across the map and become a really big um Factory team fights. Afferman had a good week though, as we do need to talk about him. Really need to talk about him. 
Yeah. I mean, Appermen... Mm-hmm. Does anyone want to expand on that? Do you want me to go for it? I mean, Appermen maybe had his best week ever in the LJL. Quite okay. literally might have had his there. best game. He brought out um, Aatrox, a tried and true special from um, Appermen, and went pretty competitive with Ray Parkey, who is arguably that, that top laner that we keep going and talking about, going, man, it sucks that the rest of his team sometimes int because he's just so good when you compare him to all the other top yeah. laners. Appermen took a pretty comfortable game against him and didn't lose lane, didn't really fully win the lane till mid to late game when he got those advantages from yeah. the rest of his team I and mean... Blank are coming in and really helping out a bunch. Um, but then his Mordecai is the guys. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, the, big that's the big one. That's the big one. I would go as far I would go as far to say that, uh, like, Affermen 1v9'd that game. That's all. Mm-hmm. I'd almost go mm-hmm. as far to say that. He went, literally, maybe. Uh, he went 5-1 and 3. He had, like, 80 CS up over Ebby. And he, he won the skill match. He almost flame horizoned Ebby. He, he was, he, he he was won... 11 CS off doing it. He, yeah. he 1v1'd Utopon uh, and, um, and Ebby. He was 1v1. 1v1. He was 1v2. He got the kill onto, onto the Wukong and got out. Almost And almost yeah, killed Utopon at that time. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. He forced the flash. Well, yeah. Utopon tried to flash to finish him. Didn't get it. So he gets like... Um, yeah, he trades a couple of his abilities. Gets a kill in a 2v1. The guy is just a monster. He went 5-1 and 3. His impact on team fights was frankly absurd. Impeccable. Yeah. Um, impeccable. And like, you know, when we're talking about Steel going in for these huge engages, yes. one of the reasons those engages didn't work out is if Cataclysm, Affermen would immediately ult him into the Death Realm, get a free kill onto him because the Cataclysm disappears in the Death Realm anyway, and he's and used then all we his just mobility. Walk around afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And then because like Steel's trying to walk back to try and escape him, when he pops out the Death Realm once he's like stood over his battered corpse, he's in the middle of the enemy team with Conqueror stacks and like, 12, 12 that's it. Conqueror. It's like, nice. yeah. And that's it. So he he finished five one and three, and he just had yes. a monster game, a monster game. He was so threatening in team fights, so threatening, so good. And then Blank also only died once this whole week. Yeah. Uh, he got yeah, one of his first deaths ever on Lee Sin this year, this Shocking. split, Shocking. which is hilarious because that's how good he is on his Lee Sin. Uh, well, actually, no, not one of his first, but one of normally the week that he allows himself. He's only allowed to have one death a week. That was his first one. He took it against Burning Core. That's why he had to go undefeated against DFM. Mm. We know that. 2-0-9. Perian, who had maybe his worst game against Burning Core, promptly then said, I'm not going to do that again, was landing troubled bubbles from all over the place on, like, on Zoe. Yutori Marshi had maybe his worst game ever, but was landing very good Ash ults, and Ash ults are very good, apparently. Guys, you can just stun the whole team of DFM sometimes, yeah. especially when you're serious. okay. It's, it's pretty good. Also, if it's an onto Ebby on a Wukong, you can't move. Ah, it's pretty good yeah, if the whole team get to delete him. It's, and NT, as we said, was having sure. amazing... Sengoku, you're going to be great in playoffs. It's going to be... Yeah, no, and again, they've, yeah. only, they've, yes. they've only dropped a game to, what, V3 and CGA, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, again, like... Um, but then they've also taken... They've got the 2-0 over DFM, which is huge for them because they're two wins ahead with a 2-0, which means that even if they drop two games compared to DFM, they get through they ahead of them in seeding, which will. is huge. Yeah. So expect to see Sengoku vying towards that um, second and top they spot. Buy, and trying to get... they, want, they want the... the they, they want, want the, the buy. They want the match. juggernaut match again. They want the um, juggernaut, yeah. Yeah. So no, the, things are looking good for them, but yeah. you know, uh, and there are some other scary teams And if they make the juggernaut match and they eventually, and if they win the juggernaut match to make finals, this could genuinely be the year of Sengoku. Yeah. We could actually yeah. like throw the narrative for that, lads. Like we could yeah. like, do yeah. some real. I mean, like I, I will say, in terms of potential question marks, I do think that this split, uh, their bot lane has been weaker and more suspect than they were. I think NT's been better. NT's been and, better. NT's probably yeah, been a little better. Probably but you... better. You Tori Marshi. 
It's been yeah, less consistent, yeah. generally speaking, which has been... Yeah. It's not mattered so much because their mid-jungle and upper men have generally played very well. Um, but we've seen hints of potential issues there, I guess. I, Maybe. We'll I, I need to think about what he played. I'm looking just very quickly on the... So I think part of that is a champion thing. Um, we went three and seven on Ezreal, remember, which was like, and he's a big no, Ezreal. His, player. No, he's been playing high DPS he, champions. He man. played a lot. He played three games of Senna and had a KDA in spring on Senna of thirty-eight. Damn. Um, like, but remember, like, remember Archer and Rhino were playing Senna quite a bit too, and yeah. so were um, Gango played like two or three games. But everyone was playing a lot of it to be honest. It wasn't just as um, yeah. a Sengoku thing. And in all fairness, he's got a still absurd KDA on all of his champions. The lowest yeah, one is sure, Abelios sure. on five point oh. Which mm. is still low for, a CD, uh, for an AD carry, but it's not the worst in the world. Let's be real here. It, that you could go, no. you could have <laughs> it's, lower. It's We've got to, pretty well, fine. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's still putting him high in the contention in the RJL. So like, you can't complain about that. Oh, well, honestly, Sengoku looking good. I'm looking forward to this. Expect them to contend. Hundred percent. But gentlemen, we put another team in second place. Also on six and two. Ahead. Crest Gaming. Act. Oh boy, was this the week we expected a 2-0 and that we would have second all on their little lonesome? A bit of an upset week, if you ask me. But then actually, was it not an upset week? Because they were meant to go one and one because they weren't meant to beat DFM. They were meant the to wrong beat way Burning around. Core. So what is <laughs> happening in the same? Does that mean Burning Core can beat uh, Detonation Focus Me? Hot take. Burning Core are bizarre. Like, as our CGA. Oh, man. I love them so much. I love them so much. They confuse me. They confuse me. Okay, so let's just start with the obvious mid lane, because then we we can expand off of that. So, Arya had an absurdly good game versus Syros. He went 1-1-8, playing his Echo, which we haven't seen for a while. Oh, guys, come on. It was really good, some of the ults and the pressure he was around the map. It was so he had good. some good moments, moments, but is this Aria level? No. no this game, even this versus DFM, week I've seen for him. Wow. This is probably his worst week this split. Yeah, his, his, his yeah. Aurelia was poor and his Echo was okay. I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd actually say that. I'd agree. Wow. And I'm, I'm his so, biggest fan, so let's be honest, guys. So he's not going to be your MVP this week, then? <laughs> no, actually, he's, I'll give you a spoiler. He's not this week. No. no. For once, he's not on your spot. God, thank God. Oh, God. Let me, hang on, wait, let me just check. Okay, it's not. No, okay, oh, thank God. Safe. Okay, fine. <laughs> we're safe. Fine. And, but that's bad that you had to check. All right, so yeah, um, Arya had his worst week. Why yeah. is that? Burning Core, it was an awful... Oh, hang on, wait. Let me, let me get the let okay. me get this thing. All it right, was a yeah, f***ing awful week for Aurelia. Like, Burning Core, if you're playing oh, into that yeah. graft, you just don't yeah. pick the f***ing Aurelia. You don't f*** the fuck, fuck, fuck out of that. I actually don't know what I said. I just bleeped a lot. But yeah, um, so when you have, like, last pick into their comp and you see everything you're on red side you have a choice to pick aria your mid laner and this is something which i've talked about actually since the start of the split aria has a huge champion pool he picked for the 1v1 versus galio knowing that his team really wants the team fight and forces like his team to go for melee into an anti-dive comp and it sucked it sucked so bad because he just couldn't find anything and it was part of it's the way they played. They didn't play one three one. They didn't try and split mm -hmm. the map. We talked about that in regards to them before. And part of it is just don't pick an Aurelia into that. Don't don't do it. <laughs> yup. I mean, uh, so the interesting thing for CGA's draft is they play face up, and that's something I've identified very early on. They don't try and do anything tricksy. They try and do. I'm going to play this champion in the only role they can play in. 
And that's it. We're going to not even try and do some interesting hiding with their draft. They almost immediately reveal after the first three picks their comp. Like, which is just a whole problem that I have. But sure. what's funny is Arya always pulls, basically, the Zoe Syndraban to him. Alright, so that's that's okay. The amount yeah. of champions that were open for him to last pick was so large. And this Aurelia says, hi, guys, I want to int the game. You know, what the was Aurelia that? wasn't the Aurelia yeah. solo wasn't the issue. And also, yeah. like, oh, God, there, yeah, you know, you know what he could have picked? Corky. Corky would have been really good. Corky would have been great. <laughs> you know what he could have also <laughs> picked? Azir. Could have yeah. just scaled. Could have just said, fuck it, I'm going to scale the game. No, we've been magic we've, damage too, which I think would have been nice. He yeah. could have just done a repeat against Burning Core and just slammed the rewind button instead, like for his echo game and gone, hey guys, mm. it's rewind time and just said, fuck it, play Cassidy again and just say, screw it, we're going to scale. You Cassidy can't play is another one of those, di another one of those diving well ones where you would have been a bit suspect. Yeah. But so, I get so, so no, it's... so my problem is so my problem is here. So I am going to disagree with you on the face up thing for this draft because oh, they did leave really? counter pick for Aria. No, that's uh, what and I know you're saying face up, but like they could, so the, the the thing is with face up is that the connotation is that they are they are telling you the flavor of their composition um, quite early into the draft. They could have changed their composition pretty much on a dime with what they had there with this last pick with that because they have various different ways they can play the great game with the the graves on Unica and also hang set um, and I, Ash. I strongly disagree because of the Chogath. I think the Chogath was. I think the Chogath is meh, but that's honestly Nat didn't play awfully. Did okay. It's, it's okay threat onto Aphelios as well. If you ever land the knockup onto Aphelios, he's in a lot of that, a lot of trouble. But like, you can pick so many different things instead of Aurelia. That you can't pick a melee with Diver into that. You just can't. Um, and because that's the last pick, you've kind of just trapped yourself. Why are you counter picking yourself at that point? Because uh, and what we saw really was Proud having a really good game on the Thresh, roaming mid every so time uh, Arya tried to all in the Galio, and it meant that. Didn't get the solo lead from solo kills, even though he was ahead in CS. Mm -hmm. uh, Proud and then just put a lantern down and just get him out of safety. And it means that all these tools are earlier is burning on the 1v1. Didn't have him available for the skirmishes. Skirmishes didn't yeah. go away anyway. Game's over. I, I mean, I, I will also say, like, I kind of see where both of you are coming from in the draft thing, where, like, actually, CJ leave Arya to last pick more often than not, particularly on red side. And he's got such a massive champion pool that you can put, he can throw nearly anything in there that keeps people guessing. Though I absolutely get where Lexi's coming from in that he is right in that CGA don't flex. Like, no, they very rarely flex champions. Um, and that makes them a little bit more predictable. And like, okay, this is going here. I know where it's going. And uh, then, like, I don't think I've seen, like, for example, Set is like, I've not really seen them flex it, for example. Oh, um, no, no, was playing. Not, it. not at least, not, yeah, not this uh, well, at least not, not, not this split, exactly. And I, like, it's not always true, of course. Oh, oh no, 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 you know, <laughs> you say that, but then they did have the Callistamid Cassipir bot. Oh, sure. That was. That is possibly the one. That's probably the one exception yeah. I've seen this split. But that's out of what now? Eight games, hmm. which is not a huge amount. And like that does make them a bit more principal. But I do get what you mean. Actually, Arya's challenge. Oh, they have played being... set jungle too. They played set jungle. Oh no, they that's true. Around. That is true. Okay, now there is some. There's some truth now. But the graves had already been locked in. Remember, so that was hmm. already not a flex. So, yes, I think there is something to be said for Crest Gaming at not flexing their champions. A great deal or at least keeping yeah. them hidden you, as to when they're flexed if you want to pick the yeah. ash they wanted to pick ash right they picked ash on round three right into the apelios there is no 
fucking reason you have to hit, pick both the set and the graves in the first rotation. If you want to take the set, the the graves away, you leave the le uh, you leave that the list set and you take the ash, or you can leave them to have the graves and you take the set and the ash. You, yeah. it's a takeaway. If it's they, a takeaway. but if you need all three of those champions, you are inting your draft, and you have no. got other problems going on for me. No, I don't think the first three are, are that problematic. I think that mm, locking the yeah, you, if locking in jungler AD carry is kind of very standard on red one two now, and they did sure. that versus yeah. the Aphelios first pick, right? And then locking yes. in was it the set? But you almost always yeah. respond back. If Aphelios is is blue side picked, almost every out. other region you always lock in Ash or any other AD carry, and then normally something else. Normally jungler. Oh, did they lock in Grave set? Was that they what locked, locked in, in Grave set? The That's my yeah, problem. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's so, like, I don't mind that because Rayfarki has shown. Um, Proud has had a very good support set. And if you lock in, like, um, Felios set, it gives them some really good teamfight to play around. I don't think it's awful. It, deni it denies, it, what it effectively does, it denies burning core the flex. That's what it does. It's not, I don't think that's where they lose the draft. I think it's in their counter picks. I think Cho'Gath, Aurelia, 4-5 are just so Oh yeah, Cho'Gath, Aurelia is just hard inting in even further. But I already think, like, personally, they inted off of their first two picks. Like... And that's just I, don't I, don't the I don't think they're bad first two picks. I don't think like are they a little bit obvious? Sure, but that make does that make it strict bad? No, they're they power picks. They're still, they're still three power picks, uh, and and, and, like, and they're relatively good into pretty much everything. That like the Cho'Gath is something that Nat likes to go towards, and every so often, some, weirdly, and it makes some sense. I don't think it's fantastic. I don't think it's awful either. But you know the Aurelia as well. Like at that point, it's like okay, you're just for, like it's then like well, we're just diving into a comp that's really good against anti dive, and we just die. At the also, Gango has no safety on the Ash, no. and they have so many ways I'm to sure. get onto the Ash. So like it like there were more issues there. It was like okay, we oh, the Ash out to drive. Just, yeah, yeah. Once, yeah, once kicked, act, yes. kicked Gango away like three odd oh, times. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. Once, once, it, really good. once did so good this game. Well, anyway, well it was like, but, this. This was the game where Gango burnt burnt summoners, and it didn't matter. But then on the yeah. versus side. versus DFM, every time he burnt yeah. summoners, he got out alive. Yeah, exactly. And like the polar opposite oh. was that other DFM game, right? Where just every oh. member Unica had their best game ever so far in the LJL. It was in my Probably, eyes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was a close early game. Don't get me wrong. Oh, like, it was. Like, yeah. The top side, the top side, the top side of the map. Like DFM got a fantastic early start. That nap was in dire straits. Like it was not looking good. And then there was the inter round Baron. Like holy. Gango's arrow was so good. Unica's pillar was so good. So, it was, uh, so they got that solo kill in like the first ten minutes of the game, didn't they? On Aria, uh, on Cyrus. Oh no, they made him, but his flash, or did they get the kill? I can't quite remember. No, they got the flash early. They got the first flash, flash. Was on snap. Yeah, which yeah, is, they got the flash, which was just didn't... so good. Like Unica's just I... slowly finding his role on the on the team, I... and it's good. I... It was a lot of summoners burned from both from yeah. one room. Because Arya yeah. tried to flash out and then Sarah uh, had to flash yeah. out and return. Arya so it was, it was always flash after, yeah. doesn't he? I think I think he got I think he had to flash anyway, it was a big mess is what it was. Oh, yeah. It was definitely <laughs> a mess. Yeah. No, so basically what we saw was DFM try and break over top side. Um CJ very early try and break open mid lane. And CJ got something out. They made um Cyrus burn his flash and then but then uh, that was at the cost of later like Arya having his teleport mm. cancelled by a grenade. And mm -hmm. then, like, Nap died on the turret. Things are, like, it ended up being, like, a 1,100 deficit for Nap in top lane at 15, which is not great. But honestly, his XP, he was actually ahead by, like, 47 XP, which is a, it's a, it's a, an amount. It meant that they didn't actually deny him a lot of XP, which meant that he was always ready to, like, he wasn't falling behind in terms of, like, his ult cooldown. Orn's pretty gold efficient, right? He doesn't need and that Orn much. Orn is gold. very gold efficient. So, 
Nap managed to survive, and DFM did not snowball that topside into a win. Mm. Um, in fact, actually, Abby maybe made the game losing play later into the game. Oh, yeah. Maybe. There was there was a point where... Um, I'm trying to remember how... Because it would have been like 25, 6 minutes in, something like that. Oh where Ebby is in a sideline on his Renekton. And he gets uh, attacked by two, three members of CGA. And they kill him. While this is happening, DFM go towards Baron. Because they have a Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger is great at taking Baron. Oof, you heard about these turrets. They do so many cool things. Mm. Ebby dies very quickly. DF CGA managed to rotate pretty quickly towards Baron. At this point, DFM like, oh, shucks. Um, we should probably peel off of this. No, there are Heimerdinger turrets. We're leashing it. And the Heimerdinger turrets keep damaging Baron. And it means that DFM is stuck in the pit. And the fight goes badly for them. And the dear Baron is leashed towards CGA. Well, and they take the Baron. <laughs> It's not even a fight, though. It's an ash arrow from blind across the map, and a after a trundle pillar from Unica, stops Steel getting to the magical journey at the back of the pit. And Steel had already burned his flash earlier from a, an ill-advised place. We couldn't flash either. No. So, like, I don't want to make this conversation about CG become back onto DFM, because, yes, DFM made some mistakes in this game. Like, let's not make... Let, we've been over those already. But in credit to CGA, when they were in a fairly tricky position, it was a... Good opportunistic play onto Ebby in the bot lane. Uh, and it was a really good response to be able to get way back over to the Baron in time. Where I think they teleported Nap and Arya in. Gango fired the arrow from miles out to hit it in. So that was good play from CGA to turn that play around in the clutch, which was really, really good. Yeah. And they um, got the Baron from that, and they won the game. Snowball, yeah, and they snowballed from it really well. Uh, mm. And also credit for Nap for like like, staying alive after, a, right? yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah and, and credit like to them really for hard. the contest. Yeah, credit to them for the contest around the Herald. That was some really clutch plays. Particularly had a Gango and stuff staying alive throughout mm. that yeah. game with some good support from Grendel. You know, when he what when Gango was nearly dying a number of times, but this game the flash heal saved him. This time the Lantern was there. Um, and sure, some of these moments were on very fine margins, but CGA came out on top. Some of that was really good play. Some of that was just very smart responses as well. Yeah, yeah. there's some really good hooks coming in. Like there was a hook on two. So there was that one Herald fight very early into the game. So it was after that first dragon. We talked about it in regards to the FM earlier. Like a hook landed on Steel after he'd blown his flash after fighting mm -hmm. down a dragon while they had this, this tier cold trough from Ezreal. Mm -hmm. And Ezreal's not even at this fight. He teleports into the Herald fight for God knows what reason because his jungle's already dead. Steel dies, and then the hook lands onto Heimerdinger. He also dies, and then they have a Herald when they've got like two people down, they have to retreat. It's just like CGA. DFM were not on the same page, and CGA was so lethally minded. They just throw everything at you, and if they have a comp that can go in, they go in, and they tend mm. to outskill you. They've this been doing is really what well. Hive mind looks like, gentlemen. When it's all lurking together, it's pure, perfect, and poetry in motion. I think that's enough. Yeah. gushing over CGA and also a few question marks for their first game as well. Um, uh, yeah, question marks around a few things. <laughs> question marks around a few things. Uh, definitely putting a pin in a few things to watch later, but uh, a team that we don't have to put any pins in. A team that is only continuing to play at the very top. They are your undefeated team going out of week eight, looking to take on DFM's streak record from the previous split. B3 Esports, 8-0, and oh, and man, they're still looking good. They still look so fucking good. good. They really are. I mean, in my eyes, Boogie and Reiner are possibly the best two players in the league right now. They are that damn good. And Nothing like, against if, from me. 
Can, can well, I can I wax can I wax lyrical about Boogie for a moment, guys, if that's possible? So over the course of this weekend, he went 11-0-11 on Graves. He went 9-0-9 on Lee Sin. That is a combined KDA of 20-0 and 20, or just 40 straight out in one damn weekend. That is absurd. Yep. Absolutely absurd. I believe Nymer, or like you were suggesting yeah, that a, he has a the highest KDA in the world. <laughs> no, no, so so we we had We've uh yeah we've got ourselves some stats from we do. Game of Legends which is a great it's website great. It's great and we were looking through the in fact Lexi you found this I did yeah notified me I did. would you oh, like man. to would you like to present the stat Lexi oh, would you oh, like if, to say what we found if, out about Boogie? if I may I mean fine oh. it's it's an honor honestly I'm really gonna keep milking this for the next three seconds because oh, I'm yes. waiting for the page to fully load on my end so I don't get it slightly <laughs> wrong because you know. The, the level of this is purely almost unseen. Quite, quite. Okay. <clears throat> Across the eight games that Boogie has played, with the 100% win rate that he and his team all have occurred, he has a 17.4 KDA across Damn. his games. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means he has the highest KDA out of any jungler Internationally, anywhere <laughs> in the world, anywhere. there are only Any one, two, three. There are only five. five players above him, four of which are support mains, and one's an AD carry. And two and three of them have played two games or less. Yeah, the, this is how That's... insane he's playing. So, out of the players which have played more than two games, he is third. Two, he is that he has the third highest KDA in the world. How yeah. fucking ridiculous yeah. is that? And the only comparable jungler to them, who has also played eight games, ironically, also... Well, it's not really irony. It's um, it's actually very interesting to see this. It's Hana from the PCS. Ah, uh, oh, good old River. V3 junglers, buddy. No, so, no it's not... It's not oh, River, yeah. sorry. River. Not River. Hana. Yeah. I, I, I even said their name. You just, uh, you just tied your brain I did. up, didn't you? <laughs> I, made, I made an assumption for the narrative's sake. Oh, anyway. And they've gone seven and one. So that well, see, that's how crazy. The next best comparable jungler, who has a 12.9 KDA, who has lost a game, in all fairness. But that that's this is how high in the world. And I will be honest to all our listeners out there. And I said this in confidence to Nymera as uh, Initialize was still working on a few things in the background. I said to Nymera, going, going very sadly and going, I, I don't know if we're going to keep Boogie after this split. No. After, after the way he's been playing. How, how, how much money do V3 need to pay him? How, how much money? I mean, they previously had Yutori Miyashi. So, and he's, he's a big name player. But Boogie is... Honestly, I I can see Korean challenger teams or Korean. This is highest. He's got higher stats than Showmaker at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and Damon and Damon are speedrunning the LCK. So yes, (laughs) that's one way to put it. Yeah, it's it's so insane. And it's also worth noting that Reiner is also up there with highest KDAs (laughs) as well. He's he's somewhere on that list. Let me go find him. He's like he's like pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. He's uh, tenth, I think, or like thirteenth yeah, like or something like that. He's like with a fourteen point four KDA. Oh, 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 woe is me. Yeah, he's thirteenth global KDA at fourteen point four, and again, like a number above that, I've got like there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of those have played yeah. two games or less. And you want to know? Pretty good. So... And, and the, one of the supports that's above Boogie in the top three who have played eight or more games is Vulcan, 
who is currently sniffing at the moment. And also has, 100% win rate. And also, also has three games on nice. Yumi. So how much of that do we count, gentlemen? We all know that. How much of that do I we count? I will say Vulcan, Vulcan's a very aggressive Yumi, actually. Yeah, so true. I think I will he, count he that to him. I think he's a really... very often, does he? Like, he, he he's, he's after that passive. Um, he, he loves that no. passive. But yeah. But moral right. of the story is Biggie is probably well no no let's let's face it, guys he's the best player in the lgl yeah he is one of them yeah i i'm i might contest for reiner who i genuinely been super impressed he's with. also on his team yeah exactly like, so uh, yeah they've been genius do we genuinely. do we now get disappointed if they don't continue this level and then don't win playoffs like are we uh, sad so if, if they don't now win mm. and go to worlds because okay. of this level of dominance they're having at the moment the okay. problem is we have a three-week break now, and that's going to lead to two patches when we next carry on. Mm -hmm. We'll have another two weeks. So there'll be another, uh, well, another three weeks rather, because we just finished week four and it ends at week seven. So we'll have three patches there, and then you go into playoffs, and that's probably going to be like another patch. Mm -hmm. So you've got four patches to go through. Can V3 retain their dominance Dom through four patches? Now, the patches aren't as large as they were, but if certain champions are hit, it might benefit them. It might not. So I'm not willing to say that I... It depends on how the meta shakes out and whether it changes significantly, because sometimes an unexpected change can lead to that. But V3, the way they're playing, it, it, particularly particularly if it hits Ace, maybe maybe I'm worried. But besides yes. that, the level that everyone's playing at is so high. So, so high. Yeah. So, a couple points of order from this week as well, from my end. Um, I had questions about whether V3 were so bot, bot lane-centric in terms of the way they wanted to play the game. It's like, Push up bot lane, dive the tower, get kills, move away. Like we've seen that a number mm. of times. Oh, yeah. Whether whether like actually that could be a bit limited in terms of the way they wanted to play the first five to ten minutes of the game. Paz's Renekton game this week really suggested otherwise. He played that really, really well with Buki this week versus again, it was against Axes. And again, this week is a bit of an odd one for B3 because they played the Jesters and Axes, who, you know, are in the weird position with substitutes. So sometimes I'm gonna take these. You put it with a grain kind of salt. Of with a grain of salt. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would like to see them like if they were like play the side lane well versus someone like Sengoku who do know how to play the map a little bit better. Well, they and, did yeah, that them in their game. They did. Yeah, responded to them really well. They yeah. out macro Sengoku. But they have to do game. it again, and I think okay, that's, exactly. that's the repeat, and, right? And we mm. did see them suffer a little bit in that kind of early game global state versus a DFM who did get up to that very big that's early true. against yeah. them. Um, so point of order for me saying like actually. Well played for pass this week for me. We're playing that one four. I was like, good news. Actually, Arn Archer and Reiner weren't the focus this week. They That's have also gone through one patch already, but that was sure. a minor patch. It was only yeah, 10 yeah. 11 to 10 12, which wasn't a sure, huge sure. patch. It was only yeah. minor changes, and it didn't actually affect any of how the team played. If anything, it yeah. helped how that team played. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 Boogie yeah. got some of his champions buffs. So he's, <laughs> like, he's like, well, I guess I just carry hard and go. Well, Gra Graves, Graves got slightly nerfed. Oh, Yumi is he? no longer going to be a thing on next patch. But so Rhino had stopped missed. playing Yumi come this split. Yep. He's yeah, just yeah. like, I'm going to play set it. and hard carry. Well, yeah, they had that one Ezreal Yumi yeah. versus Sengoku, which they, with the Ignite Ezreal, remember? Like, oh, they had that. Yeah, that, that's good that was good fun. The Ignite Ezreal was genius. Oh, like, that was fun. Forget yeah, that. I mean, but we can potentially talk about V3 and our expectations going forward in a different... Like, it's not the time for it right now, I guess. Yeah. But like, and like, our expectations are high. Pretty high. Can I think of a world where things fall apart? Yeah. Maybe? It's still really hard to envision, because they're right now and they're looking so They're very good. good. Yeah, they're like, they're, they are absolutely our number one contenders for the split this right now. Yeah. Are there yeah. potential weaknesses? Yes. And yeah, like, I will I, say I, that I think Aces game versus Axis... While the scoreline of 5 to 11 is, don't get me wrong, very good, mm -hmm. there were one or two fights where I, I know I was sort of sat down yeah. with Nightmare a little earlier, Void reviewing went, 
he kind of misplayed that fight. Like, pretty and that hard. was on a syndrome because a syndrome yeah. I was normally quite impressed with, but in, against Axis, he made a lot of awkward mechanical errors. So there's like a team fight at Herald where he kind of misses everything and gets ran down by Gariadu. He was actually 1k down at 15 minutes versus Gariadu while Axis were 4k up, um, which is individually quite shocking when your team's that far ahead. And like he was just like generically missing quite a lot of W's and E's and stuff like that. Like, is it the end of the world? It's no. not costing his team anything yet. But when it comes to playoffs and maybe someone like Perion or Ari or Saros turns up to play, I mean, we saw what happened with Saros versus um, Ace the last time, right? Or, that was or even or pretty, Perion pretty in the final one. It was like, you know, even then, when the, he's having a bad game him. like this, he still has the second highest KDA on his team. Yeah, uh, but like he's yeah, like exactly. losing out and, like, that's quite a bit in that one. But like, yeah, yeah. So like, Particularly exactly. in the Axis 1, I say the numbers a bit mechanically. Yeah. Whereas, say, that the Galio game earlier versus the Justice was, was a great game from him on that Galio. It was yeah. everywhere. Uh, and, like, I don't think at the minute we are questioning V3 and Ace's macro sense within it. And that's what's winning the, the games at the end of the exactly, day. That's what's winning exactly. them. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, but, uh, but there are certain things where we're going, okay, this situation on a micro level was a little bit suspect yeah I know. looking forward through future into worlds that's where these things will be not micro could be yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, so, you know oh, you, go, you go against rookie for example who may sure. end up as um, you know the as the as the lpl's third team because you know jdg and top are just too damn good or whatever like for instance like you i remember seeing on camera once like there was a point of, like actually after that herald fight where i mean that was the 5v3 which um acts uh, like v3 v3 won. Won. it was crazy fucking crazy there was the quadra kill for um, once coming out of, uh, not once, for, for Boogie, Boogie at the end of that fight, as far as I'm aware. What? But like, yeah. um, so the next play we see out of Ace is like, he misses a kill combo on Gariadu and then like, he gets punished a bit. Um, so like, there are still some things where I'm like, if, if things were to go badly in that mid lane in terms of the next couple of patch changes, potentially we could see V3 start coming off the boil a bit. However, with Ace playing so well with Boogie and also just not being in lane, like when you compare it to like his Galio game, where he's just like flying across the map, getting like solo flashes burned onto pink, and he's just not it. And if he is in lane, he's forcing something, right? Yeah. So I need to see, I need to see a bit more confidence, like in that Galio game, and just a bit more precision compared to the Cindy yeah. game this week in particular. And I know it's nitpicking, but now they're eight and zero, I have to hold them to a higher standard, and this is where I'm kind of seeing the threat to pull. So potentially. Yeah. This yeah. is the same level that we were putting Cyrus to, and this is why exactly. we exactly. kept exactly. saying there's huge problems with Cyrus because his he just can't play X, Y, and Z. Why yeah. do they keep doing this? And that, that that's the nitpick that we had to do, and like yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, like like he, on his and like it's hilarious, right? Because even in that Cinder, he still had a KDA of eight and zero. Yeah, sure. which is like it's absurd. But even then, you go well. Right. But you still got mechanical problems, and his and his Galio is still far better because he's thirteen point eight KDA. Yeah, he's Galio. a great, great like, Galio, great and, Galio, and his Karma's great. And like we just want to see more of that. Something that me and Nymera are wondering about is why aren't we seeing any Rumble really at the moment? But that that might be a larger meta yeah. question. Yeah, and that's another thing, right? Potentially those champions come back, and he's he's got more things to play with yeah. but we'll we'll see what happens to, when it comes to playoffs and stuff because that's yeah. when it really matters oh yeah I mean, they're gonna make they're gonna honestly we, we they're making the playoffs already so. as long as they lock that by i'm pretty happy for them to just do random stuff i'm yeah, happy with that I, I agree. Oh, time, to, time to experiment do. a little bit yeah so i think yeah. it possibly is time to start thinking about experimenting now you're locked for but, playoffs but first uh, be you know you last, last split record go 10 and, be the and then you can start be the one win win week five and then you can go crazy on super after super week 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 six is just a fun week and like we are calling out very narrow conditions for other teams to win the running because that certain That's members of they are. V3 are playing so, so damn well at the minute. But you know we have seen potential ways to get under their skin. You know 
if you can disrupt their level one and make Boogie not get snowballed, you can find advantages early on. You, you then have to deal with team fight V3 at 20 minutes, which is a difficult beast right now. Say like the DFM game is probably, as we've mentioned before, the best example of that. And maybe if you can get Ace into a difficult position, because, you know, mechanically... We've no, but even then, lost. like, you look back to that game versus DFM in particular, like, it's actually Ace landing two chains, which wins, like, is a big part of right? that team fight. So, so yeah. Ebby flashes away, Ebby flashes away from the first chain, he's playing LeBlanc, and then Gang, like, gets the Devour, and then Gang flashes away after the Graviton comes down, and then Ace stalks forward, lands the chain, Gang is then killed, because sure. he's lost, used all of sure. his stuff. Like, it's not like it's barren of good moments, I wouldn't say that. Um, he's yes, asking, it's just, you know, he's, it's just not he's as part of the magic, he's part of the magic which is happening within this team it's just like if i were to see it fizzle out it might be through that yeah yeah i could and, that, maybe and, that, just... and that's how we're seeing it because there's potentially two of the best players just on this team yeah. in the whole region that it's not yeah. even much of a yeah. question yeah. and then potentially and archer's some... up there too yeah and archer yeah. might just be archer's... the best ad carry at the moment paz also could, could also argue at some points that he might be the best top laner yeah. and ace yeah, on yeah, some weeks has looked maybe the best mid laner Arya would say different obviously sure. as, I, as, i'd say different would, on that yeah as would, as would Pyrian, um but i'm he's looked like he could definitely tussle with them but not tussle because sure. that's a jungler yeah. um but gentlemen that's that is gonna have to end us for our, our recap our team recap it was a longer one partly because we're on break so partly because so much has just happened this this week and yeah. multiple lots upsets of, lots and multiple storylines and everything <coughs> else so uh yeah but that means, with that all over and done with, gentlemen, it's time for us to go over to our Players of the Week. As always, with Players of the Week, we have picked our personal Players of the Week, not potentially the actual best player of the week, but they are our own personal Players of the Week. We go by people, we all say our Players of the Week, and then Minority gets to do it, or we, if we're all in unanimous, then we go it. And if it's not, then if we've all gone completely different... The person who's currently speaking, then the next one, then the next one. I know the order because I go first, then it's uh, initialized, and then it's Nymera so they can gotcha. do jungle and mid as their dedicated roles. Gentlemen, my top laner of the week is Appermen. Initialize your pick. I went with Paz. Okay, and then Nymera. I also went with Appermen. I joined oh. you, Lexi. Okay, okay. Feels good to be joined by Nymera, especially to begin with. Uh, initialize. As the minority, explain your point, which shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, so <laughs> I was deciding, to be completely clear here, kind of between Appermen and Paz. I sided with Paz partly because it was something I had been asking to see out of V3 for a couple of weeks, was, which was, can you play your side lanes a bit better? Can you play through Paz a bit more? Mm -hmm. This was a week where they really did that. The Renekton game versus Axis in particular really impressed me with how he was playing the what the, the side lane. Um, and his Orn game versus DFM was... Uh, not, sorry, not versus DFM. It was... The Orn game versus... Axis Rustler. Yeah, it was really good as well. Some great team fight moments out of him. Whereas for me, Appman's amazing Mordekaiser game was superb. Uh, whereas his Aatrox game was a little bit more like fine, but not like superstar, I guess. So it was a difficult one for me to call, but I went with Paz mainly because of what it meant for V3 a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, part of it that gave it to me is they beat DFM this week and they looked um, good. Yeah. And Apple sure. played a really good sure. Mordekaiser and That's he kind fair. of put Ebby in the ground. And Ebby has been known as the best top laner. And he definitely isn't at the moment in my power rankings through the after um, this week. So, uh, 
Now yeah. I'm like, well, Appamenda's Appamend things. I, I think that um, the Mordekaiser pick was genius and he played it super well versus Abby. He just, he crushed the 1v1, crushed the team fights. And that, like like I said, he solo carried a victory versus DFM, which is something which is significant in its own, right? Let's be honest. V3 took games against the two lowest teams in the standings. And that Shh. does... Yeah. Don't hurt my other picks. Shh. Sure. No, no, no. I no, I get that. I get that. But like that's but particularly in this one where it wasn't like an out and out best player um for me because it was kind of that. I was like, okay, what are the what are the tiebreakers here for me? What what's actually splitting I, I the almost, for me? It's like I also honorable mention, sorry to buck you off there. No, go, honorable go, no, mention no, Ray Farkey in my eyes also. Yeah, oh cog cog canned. And that's the thing, right? Yeah. Afferman also beat Ray Farkey. And that's, that's the thing. Affermen beat our, 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 for this season our two best top laners in the region, as we've rated them, right? Abby and Ray Farkey. Yeah. And he looked really good doing it. So, yeah, I mean, Affermen, yeah. he took over games. He played really well on his Aatrox, he always does. And he played fantastically on a Mordekaiser, which no one else has brought out yet. So, which I think is a mistake. In all honesty. I, we're going to talk about that later. Oh, yes. We, we will, will talk about that later. Messes Wukong. Messes Wukong. Well, yes. multiple things. I've actually got about Mordekaiser. Anyway, initialize our jungle resident man that loves the jungle and his dominatrix women, as Evelyn and Elise. <laughs> I gotta do yeah. you like that. I'm being timecast because... here. I'm being timecast here. But well, whatever. Wait, 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 wait. We'll you it. keep asking for Boogie on cast to play one of these champions. Yes, so, uh, that's very true. That's why I'm gonna bring it up. <laughs> I'll take it. I have an idea who your jungler might be, but uh, who's your jungler? think we might already have like basically spent our uh, a good 10 minutes like saying how damn good this guy was no, 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 he no. is the highest kda jungler in the world he is in fact boogie for me as the jungler this week okay no nightmare let's just double check who's your jungler this week i mean i'm not being that controversial like even i couldn't do that of course <laughs> it's boogie of course it is yeah that's three for three that that obviously wasn't too hard i obviously initialize you get to take the lead as uh you are the jungle man like, like bluntly, if you manage to come out of a weekend and get a 40 KDA overall, I don't care who you're playing against. <laughs> it was that big. That is absurd. Like, yeah, he got—he didn't die. He got—he got 20 kills and 20 assists. He was playing Graves and Lee Sim, which aren't exactly non-interactive champions where you don't have to put yourself at risk. Like, you got he got a quadra kill. He got a quadra kill in a three versus five. <laughs> like, like what? What more can you do? This man was utterly obscene this week. It was. And we don't need to mention like, anything else. The guy's just yeah. really fucking good. Yeah, in all seriousness. Should be playing Alari. That felt like a hentai. And like, good lord, that was inappropriate for the stream. Oh my. But in all fairness, Ooh. yeah, he's just that good. That's it. He's the yeah. He's maybe the best jungler in the world that isn't in a major region. Right up there. There's a contender. And he a also contest, might just right? be one of the best junglers in the world. Outside of that, he Beats. might be the best minor region player uh, player in the world at the moment. That's he's definitely up there. Crazy hot. At least, at least he's performing, right? Oh, 100%. And, and that was a question we asked. Coming out of spring into summer, that was a question that we asked. Can he keep doing this? Apparently, he can do better. Um, so, yeah. Go, fuck it. Nymera, take this shit away from me. Who's the mid laner? So, I have honorable mention. I'll start with that. Okay. to ace but my player of the mid lane this week is Pyrian. okay okay well i have sided with the honorable mention um yeah. of ace which i don't think anyone's particularly surprised about as i no, do i do have some vague biasy towards him but initialize i actually went with Pyrian too that's fair so i will say i will say it was a bit of an odd week to choose mid laners oh mm. um yeah that's my whole point of my spiel here um Pyrian had a really, really good game, but then a kind of eh game. 
And I was kind of like, but then Ace had the exact same. So I was kind of like, well, what am I going to switch with? Oh, wait, personal preference I get to do here. Fuck it, I'll slam Ace in. And then that was it. I, th I think if Peer mm -hmm. in other weeks, Perian could have just slammed this. But honestly, mid lane looked kind of eh this week for me. Yeah, I'm with you. It was a bit, that was um, it. At least it was very inconsistent, right? Like we had games where like Dash, you went 10, 1 and 10 and then promptly entered. Uh, like, yeah, like, Arya did the exact same for the first time, yeah. really. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Zeros just thing. didn't get a kill, I think, this week. No, well, no, no. he did. He got two well, kills so... on Syndra, but then zero kills yeah. or anything on. Yeah, Heimer. And, the, the, the and the Heimer was split pushing with all that kind of jazz. So... Yeah, like, like, yeah, it was split pushing fine, but like, it was doing damage in team fights, but he wasn't getting them team fight wins. And it's like Yu Gi Oh had one great deck game and then promptly inted. So. It's... Yeah. Like, if you want to probably, I'll let you go on why you kind of put Pyrian as your mid laner out, probably as well. I mean, yeah. So, um, I know that his Azir game kind of looked kind of bad on paper, I guess. I mean, look back it at the end fine. of the game. He's still like, it was, eh, it I mean, he's fine. still, he's still, he's still crushed lane. He oh, went yeah. 3 1 and 3. He had a lot of stuff forced out of him, but did it actually cost his team, like, in the grand scale of things? No, oh, no. he still scaled up to a point where he's doing a lot of stuff. And he put out a fair amount of damage on that pick, and of course yeah, he just put flame um, horizon. <laughs> like, yeah, and he yeah, still had some good. Yeah, and he he still had like some really good shuffles to like keep himself safe. Uh, and he he self peeled that game better than most Aziz do. So I'm yeah, not I'm not totally agree. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It was it, I would say it was good actually. I would even go as far as to say just on the micro level it was pretty good. And of course then when it came down to objectives, everything went their way. And then the Zoe game. Oh, it's what I loved about the that Zoe first game, game versus DFM. Because again, much like the Zoe game versus um, Seros and Zarath and stuff in their first matchup versus them, his fundamentals, which are, it's my buzzword of the split, but like the way he knows how to control his wave, position in lane, reset very well, and play around his jungler is just so far above so many mid laners. And actually, yeah. given that he's playing with a jungler of the caliber, I think I think that actually, in terms of the net level of mid jungle, I think Sengoku have that have that over any other team right now. Yep. Even because so, DFM are slumping, we've had questions about Unica, Ace, and Boogie. While they're very good, we like to see them out of lane rather than in lane and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think that the way Perian has li lined up with Blank has been so good to watch. Yeah. He's doing it just with well, such like, consistency um... too. Also, can I just I add a slight thing for the DFM Sengoku game, which we mm -hmm. all forgot to mention? Mm -hmm. Sengoku yeah. BM'd DM with uh, DFM with no banning on the fifth round. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they forgot the ban, didn't they? They, they BM'd. No, they just didn't, and they laughed on stream. They were laughing about not banning, and <laughs> oh, then they, they probably said, do that. Well, is that laughing because <laughs> they made crazy. a mistake? I don't know. That's they looked okay with it. Yeah. They didn't seem like they were that bothered about it, and then they promptly beat Sengoku, and part of that was Pyrian playing so sure. good against Cyril. Like, so good. Like, I think this week was basically, it was consistency for me from Perian. Because, like, his Zoe game was mm. good, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like me going, oh, shit, what have you done? Put out a triple kill from I nowhere. really like the way he played team fights. He escaped yeah. Cataclysm so well, yes. dude. And he no, was, like, like forcing no, he did, he did, he did, he, he did escape a lot. Of, like, but, like, it wasn't like the last time I saw Perian play Zoe versus DFM, like, his, like, he was a nuclear missile from out of the darkness. It was less mm. of that this time. It was still very good. But for me, the reason I did it was I think he was really consistent and did it on a I mean, higher level, whereas some of the other ones I felt were a little more inconsistent. I mean, he didn't really have time to get there because no, um, Top and Jungle from DFM had entered the game. So, I mean, he right, just kind of exactly. got to go, eh, fuck it, whatever. I guess I'll just go 3-0-5 against a Jarvin and a Syndra. That should... Yeah, that's that's point... really good into Zoe. And a gang. Yeah. yeah. And gang on yeah, Thresh, which again, Thresh yeah, is hard, but if you predict where she's going, you can you should be able to land it. But uh, Yeah, and like, it. oh, there was some... 
There were some really good points where, like, he was using a lot of, like, his spell thief stuff to, like, get extra... Yes. So he picked up a ghost... Yeah, to... He, pick... he picked up a ghost to dodge out on a stun, which was being set up so far in advance for DFM, and, like, if so that landed, good. maybe yeah, it blows open. Good. But, like, Pyrrhon just re... It's just really hard to gank. It's just really hard to gank. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. I, I like how we're all in agreement that Pyrrhon is yep. very good, Play and well. Ace was an Play honorable well mention, week. and that, that, that was it for this week. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Well... Gentlemen, my AD carry of this week, to be fair, we already hyped this man up for about five minutes as well. Um, I picked Archer as my honorable, as my uh, AD carry. Initialize, who is your one? I've gone with Honey. Yep, I know, I expected that. Yeah. So, my honorable mention is Whoa. Archer, and then I chose Honey. So actually, I... <laughs> Minority somehow for Archer, which is not something really nice or really. So in all fairness, I couldn't give it to them because of their Jester game. That was the only yeah. reason I couldn't. And Archer, uh, per personally, played. he's playing the best Ash in the region at the moment. He is, he is right and he got there. back to back yeah. Ash games. And yes, it's against the Jesters. And yes, it's against Rascal uh, Axis, who have got a substitute bot lane in. And yeah, it's, it's not ideal. But this man can just land ults from across the fucking map. He doesn't need to be the carry, but he can also be the carry. He did one game against Rascal Jester where he wanted to be the secondary carry. But then against um, um, Axis, he wasn't the main carry. He can... Oh, it's just so fucking yep. good, man. But me going how good Archer is when we already did five minutes doesn't really say much. So go on. Yes, I'll let you yes. both gush about Honey, a player that I normally gush about. Yeah, so his game versus... Who did they beat? They beat... Axis. Uh, Axis, yeah. It was off the back of some really, really good play from his Callisto. Again, he went 6-1 and 16. That puts him one off full kill participation. Him and Pooh had a fabulous game. Ran over pretty much all the team fights. Ran over the lane as well, which was really, really good. And specifically versus the Jesters as well, him and Pooh were the sole hope for that team because it was looking That's really great. dire. And especially the recovery from the first blood that went against them. They then got mm. two consecutive 2v2 kills uh, and he very nearly killed, carried a number of team fights. But it was like wait, but it was like basically him versus the world when you've got versus a Kale late game well, him and, and Pooh an Ash versus late the game. World. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ash late game, and then you got a Trundle Nautilus frontline with Karma backing up two <laughs> two attack speed carries. Like that is a nightmare to begin with, and even then he nearly got some rend reset team fight wins. So I think it was a good game yeah. versus Axis and uh, an impressive uh, losing. Performance a disappointing game, I think, for him specifically, right? Yeah, like he tried. It wasn't enough, but it was it impressed me enough to give him play player of the yeah. week. No, yeah, the, the, I I think I put more. If I was going to go for like absolute level, he's performing like the best. I would have gone with Archer, but just yeah, for this week it. because Honey was pretty much the only reason his team was close to winning the first game and was a huge part of winning the second game. Like mm -hmm. I I thought I'd give him the tip of the hat, and it was was something which I kind of like came down to pretty much a coin flip. But maybe I should have rolled the dice for it. Um, I, and it's really good to see Honey finally find some form because he's struggled to find that a whole season. Well, and... in all fairness, he has the highest farming kd uh cs across the whole region yeah no no his farm's been good no this he's been doing pretty well this split he, he's in very good at the game clearly like he's... yeah, he's, he's yeah i mean let's good. be honest no no one is playing at professional level is absolute dog shit and stuff well um, mm, mm, we've got a few questions about careful, some players <laughs> careful <laughs> we're not no not naming oh. names not naming names but oh. 
yeah, no, Honey has, play, has been playing really well. He's just not had the games quite yet, I think is fair. But these were those games. I think, games. well, also his, his, his team's kind of fallen apart at points as well. When they have a good draft and they can play aggressively, Honey plays aggressively with them and he, he benefits from that. I've he been does. impressed by him this week and yeah, he's my player of the week for yeah. Eddie Carr. Eddie Carr of the week. More than fair. More than fair. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't pick him, and I'm normally the person that picked Honey. I think in, in Spring yeah. Split, I was the only one that picked Honey, so I'm like, I want more sure. from him. High expectations, and my problem... I don't know, dude. Axis and Rascal Chester, man. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck, man. Fuck. Um, right. Initialize. Sir. Your Hello. support of the week, if you may. I went with NT. Okay. Um, okay, I'm slightly flabbergasted here. Um, Nymera? I went with Reiner, but now I suddenly kind of want to go with NT. I'm going to keep with Reiner, but... Yeah, yeah. Reiner, Reiner's the correct pick if you're going on opinions here, so I agree with you. Go on. Go on. Don't don't go changing now. Okay. No, no, no. It's all Reiner. So... <laughs> but major okay. minority. Minority. Go. Okay, so um, I think he had a good game versus DFM on the Nautilus, made some really good hooks, particularly Shoot. catching people who'd already been sort of slept and stuff, which was really important. That game was less, less fantastic. There were a few times when, like, Utapon managed to escape on a Thresh Lantern after, like, arrows and depth charge was slightly mistimed, that kind of thing. But it was a decent game. But the Bard game versus Burning Court was so, so damn good like he hit so many tempered fates onto yuhi i cannot begin like he like yuhi spent more time gold than he did walking around it felt like towards that late game and it's gonna be um, a solo q rank after that game and like <laughs> cosmic but he did a blind cosmic binding onto ray farkis wukong he was trying to get in like he prevented once uh shin's after as much as he wanted just a stunning, stunning game. also getting I up in people's faces and tunneling away to in like really mm -hmm. clutch situations he was making it just really just frustrating to kill him yeah and like i thought about going for reiner and like again i was like i always go for reiner because i think he's just the best support in the league right now period but i think it was for once less of a week around about the bot lane for v3 and while they played well it wasn't them being the reason v3 won whereas i actually think nt was a heavy part of why sengoku gaming looks so good this week Oh, there's also a really good outplay that NT did versus DFM when he was stuck in bot side jungle. Uh, oh, yeah. Steel tries to ult him and it's into like a thresh. Well, it was like, and he zonias the the Seros, the, the Syndra stun afterwards, and then like gets an ult turnaround for like aftershock and stuff. And like he turns around to play around their wolves, which which started the snowball return for Sengoku in that game. Mm -hmm. And NT was a large part of it, turning what should have been a pick onto him into a pick onto DFM. He had some monster moments. He also he got did. to death charge, kill Ebby, which is always a fun... Twice, twice. Fun. Twice. <laughs> oh, both he got shut down. Oh. He, got, he got two kills, oh. basically from death charging people for murders. It was genius. Oh my. Well, that's, that, that's almost worth getting support <laughs> of the week just by doing that. I mean... Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Nymera, would you like to take why uh, you picked Reiner for uh, your support of the week? I mean, the guy didn't die all week, and as much as, like, Boogie had a KDF 40, Reiner's somehow only just behind him on, like, 25. Wait, really? And, like, 0, 0, 25, or, like, 1, 0, 25, something like that. Yeah, the guy plays anything Got to that. the... To, if he plays a champion in the support role, he is the best at playing that champion in the LGL, period. Right now, yeah. That's it. Right yeah. now, I mean, no one, no one has a better champion that he has played, if he has played it. Um, mm -hmm. His set support versus the Rascal Jesters oh, was 
it was unparalleled. Whenever he was engaged onto, he was either finding a way to turn around to kills or just get out with a sliver of HP and make sure he's using his body to the, the, the highest extent. And uh, his his thresh is just such a wonder to behold. And he did that versus Axis. He hits everything. He gets lanterns. He rotates. He team fights. The guys are great. The guys are so good. I don't think I could say it better myself, so I won't. I will not. But, Nymera, with that said... Mm. Who is your overall player of the week? It had to be someone from V3. I've gone with Boogie. Initialize, who is your player of the week? Second first, same as the first. The man with 40kda, it's Boogie. Yeah, I didn't agree with you both. Fair play? I picked Appermen. What? No, I I can actually see that. I can actually see that. I'm sorry. You're going to have to defend your point, but I can oh, see yeah. it. So, in all fairness, Boogie is probably the best player of the week if I look at raw stats, right? Mm. But who he played against is the problem yeah, for me, why okay. he's not getting sure, it. Sure. Appermen played against Rayfarki and Ebi and beat both of them, um, which, it, for me, is a big deal. One being Rayfarki is normally not easy to do. Yes, blank fucking helped, obviously, and once kind of didn't help, and uh, yeah. This was also Aatrox versus Wukong. Wukong is in theory meant to win that match, but uh, didn't at all. And uh, kept Rayfarki at bay. And if you're keeping Rayfarki at bay, that's a pretty good place to be. He then brought out Mordekaiser versus DFM, and my god, it was a chef kiss pick. And then he promptly um, said, Ebby, you're not allowed to be ahead of me. I'm also going to fuck up all of your team fights. Uh, you're never going to have Utapon or Cirrus in a good spot because if they get near me, I'm going to kill them. Oh, by the way, I can also just 2v1 Ebby and Utapon. Huh. And that was just it. I just thought it was so phenomenal. But in all fairness, Boogie had the absurd KDA and did quadra kill <laughs> and just was so good. He like, was so no, let, let, good. Let, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. Like when you talk about Affermen, I'm like, oh, I can see the logic. And actually, that's normally the logic which I follow for my players of the week in terms of like normally, how yeah. instrumental were they to doing their stuff. And Ebby being the two best top laners of the region, and then like having that crazy game versus DFM. Normally, that's like Maybe all the right boxes takes. DFM as well. Yeah, that's what I said. I, he yeah. basically 1v9 yes. that. And most of the time, that is enough reason for me to give someone a play of the week. Apart from this week, <laughs> Boogie <laughs> has the highest KDA of any juggler in the world. He's crazy. Save uh, me. I, I had made my list before we found out that, that hot tip. That's fucking crazy. Week. Yeah. And like, I'm so like, <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also, but like, also getting a quadra kill in a five versus three at a professional level. I don't care who you're playing against. That's just dumb I, I, actually I mean, dumb I, yeah that was, like that was just a stu- oh god just go yeah. listen to our casting of that because we're slightly losing it at that point and initializes voice slightly starts to think do i want to keep talking do i really want to keep doing this <laughs> oh man and like and the thing is i see the uh, lo- uh, the argument because right because like it was part of the reason i was deciding what why do i put Apperman in over pass at the top end league? I was like, eh. and like the mordekaiser game was just damn good like Holy, it was a really, 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 really good Mordekaiser game. It's one of the best I've seen in a long, long time. I just thought, like, I guess my I guess my issue was I just thought like the the Aatrox game was a little bit more normal. Like it was like it was less spectacular. Oh, I agree. But the thing I, is, I could agree with that, but... but but the the thing is I you know, Lexi's got a very valid point that actually, you know, V three just basically styled on the two lowest teams in the league. Well, you know, two of the lowest teams in the league. Like there's something to be saying for like, yeah, but shouldn't they be doing that there? Is that actually a thing that special? And it's like 
I think probably yes, but I see the argument against. If they perfect gamed one of the two, they he would have got it, but they didn't yeah, yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. game. Okay. So that, that I'm very right, right. disappointed. They've done perfect games before versus these teams. They can do it again. I'm very disappointed shock, with V3. Shock. If anything, they, they should they should quit. They should leave. Yeah. They should retire. They're gonna be kicked from the LJL. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's they're done. Yeah, Boogie. Been they've been fined. Boogie's fucking insane, isn't he? He's yes, actually yes, just he's, so he, yeah. How do we have? We're a not going to keep him past this year, are we? <laughs> oh God, we're not. He's... All right, I, I... we're going right, to. But the okay. great thing is, we get to have the parody and go. Well, we well not the parody. We get the authority to go. Well, we know where he's come from. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, I wonder actually whether I think Gang gets residency next year. Yeah, he and does. I wonder whether DFM shell out big money. No, it's Steel that gets it. Steel that gets it. Steel get. Oh, Steel. Oh, in that case, maybe not then. Well, in that case, I, I was gonna. In that case, they won't go for Boogie. I thought it might be Gang. So otherwise, you might go um, Boogie Aria as a mid lane duo and uh, stick that in with Boot DFM. Boots off as well. I, I think you potentially do. Or put him as a sub. I think potentially. Because I think, but but that's like the biggest upgrades available in the league, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you're not like, getting I, blank period from Sengoku. Yeah. You're not like, because not that. Yeah. Yeah. Because not not that not that Seros is bad. Not he's he's very very good. But like, there are only so many like, the rest of the roles you're it's, actually going. Is that actually an upgrade? Well, question mark. It's the same thing I was talking about with V3, and then also we kind of put it in the context of well, you know, if we're holding. Um, ace to the standard. This is the same standard we held, held Seros to when they were on the mm. win streak, going into playoffs, and and when they were on the win streak and stuff. Like, there's you can see the thread to pull, and internationally that becomes like the whole tapestry unraveling at points. That's I mean, it. we've seen that from from DFM, and like that that that's why that's why you hold it to the highest standards because there is a level above. I mean, if this was the top of the level of League of Legends, then yeah, sure, say okay, you're winning everything already. Why change stuff? But if you want to do stuff internationally, you need to step it up. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, dear listener, that has capped us off of players of the week. We've done our weekly recap and roundup, talking about all the teams. We've now even told you who we believe to be the best players in their own personal role. Again, our own personal opinions in regards to that. And lastly, it's for our little section where we don't talk for a very long time, but we like to do a little bit of a recap. We're going to do Meta Talk. Meta Talk. Meta -talk. Okay, we were all over the place there. Um, we could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably we could have done it worse. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the soundbite one day that Sam will give us, and it will just be like multiple. It will be almost an echo chamber of meta talk, and I'm looking it's forward to some it. Lovecraftian horror. Oh, yeah. Like I don't know. It's like very revelationsy when the archangels have like hundreds of eyes and millions of wings, and it's like singing this random ass meta talk line. He is Udonai meta talk. Woman who did a do dormant. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, Dory. We'll not do. I'm not doing this as Dory May. Like I refuse. Uh, that, 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 that's 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 a niche meme at best. And <laughs> I got in trouble for bringing it on cast. I'm not bringing it to the podcast. I shouted at you because, like, dude, you can't just bring up niche. This is the problem with us bringing up references which no one understands. Sam. I mean, this is that's just us in general. It's one time at band yeah. camp. This this one time. You know yeah. this guy is this one time? Yeah, alright, fine. This one time we saw Mordekaiser on Summoner's Rift and it was pretty good against Wukong. What about that? Huh? Hot take. Hot take. I I mean, admittedly, this is only with um 
Mafamen's game into Ebi, and Ebi's Wukong is not necessarily the best. But honestly, what happened with the Mordekaiser pick in that game makes me think it should definitely get picked up more. We've we have seen it in the LCK, we... we've seen it in the LPL. Yep. They do it a yeah. lot. And, well. Yeah, and because like we saw that Summit versus uh, Nuguri uh, 1v1 with the Wukong versus Mordekaiser. It's all crazy and all this other stuff. The whole idea of the Mordekaiser is that um, he's disruptive in a team fight in the way that all Juggernaut bruises are, as they tend to be. But he also has that anti-disruption where he can just like ult someone out of a key part of a team composition. And you don't necessarily have to tank up the whole enemy team, even though you can be very tanky, especially when your conquest running as well, because you just mm -hmm. take the 1v1, you remove someone, and then suddenly it's always going to be at least a one-for-one. One. It's really good versus objectives as well. If you take Wukong out of a team fight, he doesn't get to Cyclone. If you get to take out the carry, no one gets to follow up on the Cyclone. There are so many ways where... Um, if you come in with the correct angle on the Mordekaiser, he can just screw over a team fight. Affman did that yeah. very well versus DFM. It makes me think we should see this more. I also think that Wukong, basically, particularly early in lane, before he gets that Trinity Force spike, uh, or I suppose the, there is the rumor he sometimes goes for the Black Cleaver as well. Or TMF um, first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, but he wants a completed item is what we're getting to. Mm. Um if he is his way of getting out of things is he will play he will worry a trickster and run away you cannot do that if you are then caught in the death realm you just don't get to worry a trickster where you're caught in the death realm with him and i think there is something to basically being able to pin a wukong down is surprisingly tricky with that invisibility and with the, some of his dashes and flashes mm. so mordecai's ability to say yeah well the map is now you know two meters wide rather than the whole rift i think is also potentially quite powerful against the, the wukong there as well what is interesting, globally, he actually, Mordekaiser versus Wukong has a negative win percentage, but you can't... Really? Yeah, 42%, basically 43%, but how Plus much of... Wukong has got a ridiculous win rate. <laughs> yeah, Wukong has a ridiculous win rate. Also, you just, Wukong and pe people just might be also, you don't, that, that's directly, right? You don't know how, what those games are also entailing, but, right? So it's very hard to this... use that, because that's going so much like... Well, it was the correct pick, but the problem is the rest of the team inted. So, what does it matter if my Mordekaiser sure. did there's, okay? There's results. Well, so for instance, Malphite is also seen as a Wukong counter because eventually Wukong can't do anything to Malphite, and yeah. and Wukong, Wukong over like all all leagues, including national up to top tier and stuff, um, has like a 62% win rate versus Malphite too. So again, there's a little bit of results based analysis in there. Yeah. In the one v one, in terms of the game plan, most of the time Mordekaiser and Malphite, I like them into that matchup just because of the game plan the, the game plan you can play around with them problem is there's a whole extra four members of each team tacked <laughs> onto that matchup and exactly. that can screw things around but you know i like that in its own way yeah and wukong has basically a positive win rate against every fucking champion in this game at the moment so uh you can you can only put so much of on he's very that. strong yeah, yeah, he's got currently a worldwide, he's got 53 win percentage. Basically, if you sell a team, you Rip lock it. in this champion, you've got a 53% of the chance to just win. That, that, that's just it. So, I mean, interesting. Apart from DFM, who have a 0% win rate with that champion. Right uh, ooh, and that's why the stats are being brought down a little bit in some spots. But, I mean, that's just it. Gentlemen, our next champion or little point that we've got here is Volibear. Who put Volibear down? I mean, I put it down, but as soon as Sam wanted to, well, Sam brought it up as like, oh, let's look at this champion, okay. and then it kind of came out. Um, so we've seen it multiple times top lane. We've also seen it coming out of the jungle as well. It's coming mm -hmm. out worldwide and stuff. He's quite good in the same way that Set and Olaf are. He's just another beef ball that kind of does some different things. Um, he has a weird couple of play patterns in terms of turret dives because of his ult. He can run at you with his Q, particularly in an extended lane if you're in like a 2v1 and you're a squishy carry, like, for instance, a Kale or something, and you're trying to 2v1. Uh, he just kind of keeps running at you. It's really scary. 
And the thing is, he can build tank and still have damage, right? That's yes. kind of a big deal too. Uh, and also, for junglers that are not as aggressively minded and good at things like Graves, Kindred, uh, Echo, for example, first for the LJL, Volibear is another way to be effective in the current meta while still kind of have, while still being able to sort of like brawl with some of these other pretty dangerous picks. I mean, say for the LEC, for example, Graves has a really bad win rate in the LEC right now. It's not very good over there. Volibear on the other hand is looking pretty damn good. And sometimes that's just jungle play pattern. And I think Volibear is another way of playing the jungle right now that is still a way you can kind of carry, but mm. be it, a frontline too. It depends on who the dominant teams and what their play style patterns are as well. Like, to mm -hmm. be honest, I, I actually think that Boogie... So, I mean, I was... I was um, so I know one of the guys that um, cast the PCS and I was talking to him I, uh, about Hannah, you know, the other guy with a really high KDA on um on in the jungles and stuff like that. I was, I was like well how good is he and he's like oh you know he's definitely like a top two jungler and he's really good if his mid lane is playing on the same page and stuff and i was asking my same my, my questions myself about boogie and i'm like honestly this guy yeah, plays everything good. and does well regardless of how his team's doing like he's just gonna do anything anyway so yeah. maybe that warps the stats in terms of like a load of different champions because like he's always gonna win on every champion regardless of the matchup I mean, that kind of happens across some regions. It's not terrible to say that. I mean, the good thing about Volibear and why I like it, the champion a lot at the moment as well is it's a definite flex pick. He is good in the mm. jungle and he's good in top lane. You do not also represent what you're, what type of game you're playing with Volibear because Volibear is just so fucking good at the moment. You kind of just go, lock in Volibear. He'll be our tank. He can engage. He can also disengage pretty well. He can do a wide mm -hmm. variety of things. He can clear waves if you need to have him be a split pusher. He can he can do a bit of everything. A way that one of my build friends... build the Andrews. Yeah, he can build... Yeah, and, and you can build Gunblade and stuff on him. And that's yeah. also not an incorrect way to do it. It's not the best way, but it's not an incorrect way, which is just like, oh, okay, goody. This champion is kind of giga strong. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, that, and that's just good place to see it. Our next champion on the list, which I imagine is going to be a fun one. <laughs> We've already talked about her a few times, and it's Ash and what she's doing at the moment. We've, we first brought this up when Gango picked it against the Hawks from CGA there, mm. and I loved what they did in the draft because they knew that Ezreal Yumi was so high priority. If you first pick an Ezreal and then like an Ash is locked into you and like R1, R2, like those first two picks. You don't want to pick the Yumi because it makes it really, really hard to survive in that lane because you just get picked off. And in the same way, Ash is really good into people where if you are CC'd, you don't really have counterplay to it, which is why we're also seeing Tom Kench come back as well. But mm -hmm. Ash is... I know, Sam, you've got a lot of opinions on it. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. I think Ash at the minute sits really, really well into pretty much every other major STAD carry you can win versus the Athalios, where you just actually outrange him a little bit. You can slow him so he can't walk away. Your ult stuns him in place. That's all really good. We talked about the Ezreal. That puts her in a great spot to begin with. She has multiple build paths, does well against tanks, can build for crit if you want to. Hurricane on her is pretty dumb. The, the slows as well against a lot of champions, which are not as hard engaged as we're used to. It's things like Set who need to run at you to get close enough. Even something like a Renekton, like there is some ex there are some um, exceptions. So there are the, the hook picks from support probably come to mind. Probably most places, a Nautilus and Thresh, are you can still get on top of her. And Ash without safety is still definitely flashed on top of all. Yes, but bringing hard engage when Varus is being banned a lot at the minute, she. Team fights super well at the minute and counters, and there's not that many hard engaged champions right now in the game, especially when junglers are going more towards things like the carries right now, generally speaking. Probably well. We are starting it's, to it's see a, a bit more Liana. 
That's one mm. thing which might make things a bit more awkward. But yeah. So there's something to she's hard, you know the way you counter Ash is hard engaging her right getting all, getting beyond her yeah, distance yeah, yeah. she can just, you just slow jump you. on top of her and she yeah. dies yeah get past the slow field and you can murder her but uh, the minute's not that many champions a champion that's all, not half decent at getting on top of her is Volibear so uh... yeah Volibear there there are two things actually because remember Rascal Jester versus V3 they picked Kaiser Leona into the Ash they really tried to and they picked the like Wukong Jarvan as well they really tried mm -hmm. to it just doesn't work I mean I get that's a lower tier tier table team versus the top upper table but this is also oh, like a kaiser that, and also kaiser kaiser built a dirk which we we won't talk about that we t we rambled about it on, it's, it's okay. also reiner yes. on set who basically will become the bodyguard yeah. for ash literally playing exactly. the, the show stop running away yeah it's yeah. like yeah. no it's like good, good good luck engaging have fun full captain yeah, Blanco. Yeah. show me your moves <laughs> guts last right. little point for us it's something that I found out, and it's something that I mentioned to Nymera before we came mm, on. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting. So in the LGL, we have a huge mid-rate band percentage of Syndra, Karma, LeBlanc, and Zoe, which in turn has main, as meant rather, we've got Galio to be our most played mid laner, but it's not Azir, which is the highest presence in the world outside of Syndra, who is basically banned or played in every game. Why are we seeing that in the LJL? What does that mean okay. moving forward? To put it quite simply and not try and throw too much shade, there are a lot of mid laners which teams don't want to play around because of mm -hmm. the way they play and how individually good they are mechanically. Hmm. Um, I look at some of the... I mean, we've got two two rookie mids coming in, right? Yujo and uh, Pink, and neither of the go those guys are people which have particularly slotted in no. in the aggressive mechanical play style. Well, I mean, besides Katarina. the Katarina, besides the Katarina. <laughs> yeah, but they're like, but it, exactly. yeah, he's, sure. he's a different, he, he's never a different man but However, however, I would never say that about a one trick because one tricks are a completely different kind of phenomena. Um, mm. And obviously he's very good at that Katarina. It doesn't really transfer to the rest of his champions. It doesn't. I mean, heck, yeah. there are so many other yeah. mid laners. I'm just that, so like, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pink, Ace probably as well. Those three and um, are players that immediately don't really want to be played around themselves. No. But Ace at least can still play the LeBlanc, can play the Zoe and the Syndra and the Karma. Yeah, but that's not the Azir. That's not yeah. the Azir. He's True. not really yeah. the backline DPS. He's not the only backline DPS champion he has really is Syndra. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, that's it. Uh, Outside and of and the everything LeBlanc else that gets yeah. hella deep. Really. No, but that's, yeah, that's not really a, a different style of champion. She's, she's a different anyway. style again. She's yeah. like hyper mobile burst rather than like DPS. She doesn't like if you if you yeah. just cast all your abilities on cooldown, who's going to do more damage? It's well, going to be someone like a Syndra or an Azir, right? Who are our Azir players? They are. It's Pyrian is probably the top of the list, and then Arya and Seros play it. Gary Seros Aru is, can. Seros played it during playoffs. He played it during playoffs. He played it well, but he's not yeah. played at the split. Um, yeah, so like right. that's one of the weird things, right? So the, the weird thing. So the the thing which makes logical sense to me is that there are a couple of mid laners which people don't really want to play around mid, and Azir needs to be set up to succeed. So that sure that means that we're probably going to see more Galio, which means you get out of lane rather than Azir, which means you stay yes. in lane and you farm. The weird thing for me is why is Seros not playing it so much? That's the weird thing because there are a couple I, of mid laners. I mean, you could like, argue this week he probably should have played it. There was yeah, an argument for it. I mean, like, I, I guess the thing is, like, maybe they were looking for something that people just have less experience again, cause, like, against, because that's what high it can be. Is but I don't, I don't know if that argument uh, really works anymore, because it's, yeah, maybe. they've not been winning consistently on these kind of yeah, fun, maybe, maybe. good good and fun picks of his. It, 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 it's not offering the same pressure that we saw in spring anymore, It, sadly. it did during the finals, remember? Yeah. First game of finals. But even then... So the pick was, they played really well around that pick in a macro sense, so maybe it props up their macro somewhat. 
But then DFM have been struggling in that regard a lot. Their game yeah, plan plus, has really suffered regardless of the plus, champions. Plus, you've also got to remember that like Steel has been playing like consistently around top, and like that's the, you're not going to get the sense. And like, and Heimerdinger is somewhat self self sufficient. You just throw the turrets, and it's hard to gank you. Well, the, the um, only the, yeah. And I think the other thing as I will say is actually we've got quite a lot of Echo mid players, and mm. Echo is pretty good. Into, we've seen Echo as a kind of off standard pick into the Azir. I mean, think about who we've got as Echo players. Aria plays Echo. We know Gary Ari plays Echo. Seros plays Echo. Like, there's quite a few on there that like are willing to pick up the Echo into that matchup. Uh, and when globals are kind of a pretty big thing in the meta right now, anyway, it's like, well, why take the risk? And we know there's Echo players. We don't want to have to ban that, and we want to play around globals anyway. So just pick Gallio. I mean, it's yep. not a terrible idea, but even someone like Dasher, who who's the team does try and play around, hasn't played in Azir. He's but he's played two Gallio games. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dash is but that's what maybe I said about the Dash's playstyle. I mean, he's he's yeah. like Irelia LeBlanc. Corky, I guess. So, I mean, like, we know that Arya... We, we, yeah. We know that Arya plays it. He does just... He wants something with a little bit more early agency, and I think that's something to be said about a lot of the teams right now. Um, mm -hmm. Gadiadu's played it a couple of times. So, like, the ones which I'd say probably should and maybe could be playing it a bit more. Gadiadu, Perian, and Arya. But then again, like... How many of these teams actually want to Perian peel back and in their Aria play style? Are both also six and two right now, so why would they change what's yeah. already working? Right? Exactly. Um, They're not teams which really they want like... to peel back. They want to be like going on the front foot, and Azir can do that. But plus, yeah. they've been looking I mean... for counter picks, whereas Azir is a blind pick, right? You don't generally counter pick. Exactly. Like, that's a big thing. I'm yeah. forgot. I'm, I'm uh, realizing. Yeah, like, because yeah, Aria is like he's being left for like, counter Last pick, and also like Gary Aru desperately yeah. needs the counter pick, so he has some way to desperately win late. Like you saw the Tristana pick to try and get that. The, the mm. thing is, though, DFM are looking for blind pick mids, though, and, like, for instance, versus Sengok, yeah, they first yeah, picked yeah, Syndra. They first picked it. It wasn't banned, it was first picked. And in fairness, Syndra really high-priority champion, but, like, they could be doing yeah. this in other games with Zir, which isn't getting banned out as much. Yeah. Like, they could be doing that. Sure. Yeah, they could be, sure. but they're not. And, uh... Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing to notice that, obviously, Azir has such a high-priority worldwide, but then that's just not a thing that's in the OJ, and it's like, where does that go later on? Interesting little bit of tidbit, interesting meta talk. Do expect a full meta talk episode where we have lots to dive into and Nymera will probably have a whale of a time going and telling me and initialize, yeah. no, it's actually like this. You two Why idiots don't understand. And we're just like, well, we're still going to be skeptical, but we'll also admit when we're wrong when it happens. Yeah. So it's fine. But uh, we will, after this episode, dear listener, have two weeks of where we will have to fill with our own content. So do expect a few mm -hmm. things. We've got a few topic ideas moving forward. So do not fret. We've got still LGL content to bring you as well as uh, all the data to really school over Beautiful. and uh, really kind of gauge over. We've got some interesting things that we're might going to bring to the table. We do have a question of the week, gentlemen. It comes from our resident Axis fan of Ishiki, who is uh, probably a little bit sad Ishiki. that the, uh, they're not doing yeah, it right now. But uh, always up for helping out the, the way, community. By the way, his name comes from Ichi Shikinose, who is an idol, like one of the yeah. idol master girls. What? Ichi Shiki. Ichi Shikinose. I don't know who is that a, is, but cool. It's an idol master girl. There you go. Idol master girl. Good. Oh, unless I've you fucked the name. Sounds Weeb good. knowledge from the Weeb man himself, despite um, the fact I lived, I lived in Japan. So With the break in the LJL, which other leagues are we going to be watching, gentlemen? What other leagues are you going to be watching or even covering or casting or whatever? Got some stuff I can't talk about, but... 
Okay. Yeah. So, so he, he, there's some there's some secret. But you can stuff still answer the question of uh, what secret leagues you're gonna watch. No, I've, I've um, no. I mean, I'm catching up with some stuff. Um, like I'm trying to keep on top of LCS, um, even though it's really difficult because a lot of times about time zone for me, right? I can't really watch a lot of stuff when we're doing LGL, of course. So that means like LPL, LCK, um, and a couple of other days, things. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But um, so for instance, like uh, like I said, I know one of the guys in the PCS, so I try and catch up with a couple of games from that, particularly because it's a re region that we want to compare to as well. Mm, yeah, so exactly. I try and catch up with some of the PCS stuff, although a lot of times flicking through rather than like watching it in depth. LEC is probably the one which I watch most because it's just a good time zone for me. But LEC is going to be on break as well. Yeah. So I think for me, with both LEC being on break, and we would just kind of mention why that was off, right? Like, um, I think, of course, it's been the LCS because, you know, it's kind of fun watching some of the Fiesta and Cloud9 are a fun team right now. Mm -hmm. Trying to catch up with a bit more LCK and LPL because I think they're great regions right now, uh, even if the mm -hmm. LCK, uh, the sort of the mid to bottom half of the table is making me raise my eyebrows about their play style still being a little bit rough. Mm -hmm. um, the I suppose the weird ones that I would be adding in is I am watching a little bit more of the the UK scene right now. Yeah, I'm watching more national leagues, actually. That's one thing yeah, I'm doing. So, uh, and I, that's been interesting to keep an eye on. Especially the ERLs. Kind of where, like, I guess is what we're casting a little bit more of these days, is that kind of rank of, or, or just above that rank of play. Is, yeah. So it's been interesting to So the NLC, I suppose, is the, is the kind of, the one I'd put a name to, I guess. Yeah. For me, I'm just trying to vaguely stay on top or at least keep up to date with LCK stuff. And um, my plan for this uh, two to three week break that we have is uh, I'm actually going to take a little bit of a breather from League, in all fairness. Thank you. I yes. <laughs> I am I need to have a little bit of a breather because um, um, so much trying to do external and then realizing that we're doing so much of this. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to watch all of LC. I'm going to keep up to date with LCK. I'm going to watch every single game of top esports because I know that's yeah. going to be something to know about going into worlds. I know mm -hmm. I need to know that. Mm. And other than that, I've vaguely been watching L uh, LE LEC. Um, more so just following the higher tier teams and their wins and victories. Um, I watch sure. co-stream highlights of the I LCS yeah. because I find that more entertaining to watch because it is sometimes a bit of a fiesta. It's not always. Well, it's not always. It's like, yeah, but, I think when I'm watching when I'm when I'm watching broadcasts, like I have this duality of so I'll sometimes watch co-stream. Well, I'll sometimes watch the broadcast because it helps me with my own casting. It helps me pick up notes from that. Yeah. Something which we, um, you know, something which I'm always looking to improve at. But co-streams give me more potential game knowledge, which is something which I love to keep on top of as well. And at mm. least just have something extra in the toolbox that can bring out my own casts as well. I so a lot of the time, I find yeah. it more entertaining. I'm not joking. Yeah, I sometimes yeah, just having I mean, someone raging at a game is just hilarious. I mean, so as much as like as much as like we cover you know, the eight games a week as three of us. And what that means most of the time is that Lexi and I are doing half the games and potentially we do all of them. Or and then, and then is doing all of them. I do all of them. Yeah, yeah like sure, I'm right. doing all of them right now. Particularly as a color caster, when you're prepping for that many games, the amount of salient points you can actually bring out in each game starts to get limited. And like when I'm on like my 10th game in a couple of days, when I just run happened. out of shit to say. Yep. I like, and sometimes it's like, it's like when you're watching an ALCS, like I really feel that they only have two color casts. I'm just saying, like, guys, you are doing a really good job. You're actually doing a really good job because if I was That's in right. that situation, I would not be able to do what you're doing. But it still That's drops fair. the quality That's of it fair. somewhat. Um, compared yeah. to something like, I mean, even like the LCK or LEC uh, or whatever, right? Um, yeah. And like, I will say that, that that's kind of the joy of like, of a, of a, like, a setup, like a co-stream is you are not 
bound by what's going on in the game. You can take a point and run it as long as you want, even if other things are going going on. You don't have to give way to a play-by-play. A play-by-play doesn't have to give way to something else. Like, you can just say, okay, okay, let's go in deep on Vision and see what are they doing with this and just have that long conversation discussion, which doesn't have to be tied to time and things, which you can't do in a cast. Also, you just, you just don't have the space for it. Yeah, I totally agree on that. The, I love the in-depth that you get from some co-streams that I watch, but I also love that they will immediately start talking about other things when the game is fucking yeah. over, which yeah. you can't do yeah. while you're casting. You still have to give it you your well, with it. and yeah. you still have to Depends. bait and keep with can... it. I mean, to granted, an extent. go and listen to me and, and initialize kind of memeing towards the end of some of last week's games because I, I definitely start turning <laughs> off and go, nah, 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 I'm not taking this seriously. And initialize oh, is trying to rein me so back bad. in and I'm like, no. It got so bad with some of the games last week where oh. I was even doing downtime on the notes I'm yeah. writing to them on their second screen. I'm just there and I'm like, yeah. haha, this funny. It's like, I think it was something like talking about Bilgewater Cutlers and I yeah. started talking yes. about fencing. You started talking swords. about fencing. That's how I was doing By the way, it's, about that's, a fun, that, that's, a, that's a nightmare effect. I, I, used to, I used to do a lot of fencing. In fact, I used to go to, I went to the Nationals three times oh. in the UK. He's a very good actor. Was there was there's good. a nightmare effect for you. We have yeah. them on the stream. We're on there on their podcast. Look at that. I, I did I did epe for my edge group. Look at is, that! Oof. Where is where is I, I I did the I did the karate route. I, I am a, I'm officially a black belt, so I'm I'm I, mild, I'm out of practice. So I'm only mildly dangerous now. <laughs> I'm trying to think what I did. What did I do? Uh, I started smoking at 15. That's what I did. That's how I can contribute to society. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's okay. our producer boys. Smoke, uh, smoking's a big thing in Japan. I'm just trying to tailor to uh, the the community, the, the, the listeners. You know, Sam. Uh, Sam I mean, on the on the flip side, is also the only one of us who isn't single. So, <laughs> smoking gets you laid. Look, that's, yeah, that's, that's what you're learning from here. Dating <laughs> within lockdown is a surprisingly challenge. Well, not a surprising. It is very. It's, it's a very obviously challenging experience. Oh, oh yes, so it's it not happening because of, it is because of the pandemic that I am single. Yes, oh, mate, trying to sustain a relationship during a pandemic's not fucking easy, man. I just. Yeah. Uh, like, right. Oh man, right. this yeah. pandemic action is uh, hard to come by, but uh, sometimes you get it all in one go and it's sweeter uh -huh. than cake, so uh, <laughs> it's great. It's well, that's, that's, great. The way, that's the way to end the podcast out. That is, go. that is how we're going that's to end it. the podcast. But some sweet, sweet casting tidbits about the personal lives of your, of your, of your staff if, here. If the they individual. listen this long, they deserve it. They, they deserve this. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go, guys. That's your, that's your LGL. <laughs> Officially fucked. <laughs> we have it. And, I mean, as always, I'm going to hand it yeah. over to Initialize and yeah. Nymera for their closing sentence or phrase or whatever the fuck they want to say. I think I had a pretty good one just there, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'll allow you to have <laughs> my, 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 my and Nymera's DMs are open. Hit us up. All right, there we go. <laughs> Hit them up in the DMs, ladies and gentlemen. They haven't specified, <laughs> so it's all fair game. I have been Alex. I'd like to know exactly by Master One. You know, of course, I have been joined by uh, the Gallant Sam, otherwise known as Initialize Hapgood, and the sensational Alex, otherwise known as Lemara Hapgood. That's why I give them names because they're single and they need all the help they can get. Oh yeah, I <laughs> went there at the end. So yeah, it made me feel even worse. Keep it going. Keep it going. Thank That's you it. so much for watching or listening, and we'll all see you very, very soon. <laughs>